and welcome to episode 82 of Our Baseball Weekly, the weekly podcast from the baseball subreddit. Today, Lewis speaks with Orioles power ranker Ben, a.k.a. Gibtafsa, Gibtafsa, I don't know, uh, about the Orioles and their surprising last uh, few weeks and month or so uh, and, and the run they've been having. Uh, after that, I speak with Dylan and Frack about some bad and funny and silly trade proposals. But first, Dylan joins me right here on the intro to talk about the news of the week. Dylan, how's it going? Uh, doing well. Uh, I think we, we, we're doing this kind of reverse order, right? Because we wanted to make sure we didn't get busted by <laughs> John Heyman report that Juan Soto's going somewhere or something. Yeah, so and we're going we to anyway. We like, we, we held out as long as we could. We're like, at some point, we got to do the show. But like, I, it's just, I feel a guarantee. Because like, Luis Castillo happened, you said like 11.30 p.m. And it's yeah. like, not even 11 yet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, mm. So it's hopefully, I'm, I'm hopefully, so frustrated. I mean, all's quiet right now, but we know once it gets a day or two in, it's like, yeah, we're gonna, yeah, something's it's gonna been, hit. It has also been a very quiet evening. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, too quiet. It's like, it like the calm before the storm. Something's gonna happen, but uh, but you know, we'll, we'll we'll let's hope we get lucky. Hey, we do have a trivia question for the episode. I know we haven't done a trivia question in a while, um, but the trivia question for this episode: How long before the game start time is the exchanging of the lineup cards? Dylan, did you read the answer already? Uh, no, I haven't. So, what's, what is it one more time? How long before the game start time is the exchanging of lineup cards? Because <sighs> the like, they got to go. That's like before the anthem and stuff, right? I so think it's so. Be, yeah. I say like six minutes. All right, Dylan says six minutes. Maybe that's right. Maybe it's wrong. We'll let you know at the end of this segment um, or maybe at the end of the show. Depends on if I remember to do it at the end of the segment or have to cut it back into the end of the show. I'll remind you because I want to know. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Well, it's, it's on the outline, so I shouldn't forget it. <laughs> so, right. um, cool. Uh, uh, so, yes, that is the trivia question. We'll let you know at the end of the segment. Shouldn't be too long then. Um, let's talk real quick. Uh, I put this lower down, but I want to talk about it real quick because we're going to talk about it in the segment. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're not on that segment. So the Orioles have hit fourth place in the American League East uh, above the Red Sox. Truly, I mean, what? <laughs> like, what? What's well, a great way to do it? Like, I mean, they're it's it's a functioning team. Yeah. And it's coincided really well with some of these young guys coming up and they got more on the way. And it's like. You know, we talked a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago, and they're on their like big winning streak. Obviously, that stopped, but they've kind of just—you can play at five hundred, and you're barely trying. You know, as far as like competitive roster building, then like you're doing pretty well for yourself. And they're setting you know, themselves up for really great long-term success. They're only three games back of the Rays, <laughs> and the Rays just—we're going to talk about yeah. it. A bit, but the Rays just lost. I mean, with, there's not much to talk about. The Rays just lost Kiermaier and uh, and yeah. Zunino to season-ending surgery. Is out for a minute. Like Wander's out for is... a while. Like there's not like there's a non-zero chance that there's, the, there's the Orioles make some here. savvy pickups and don't trade Trey Mancini. He sticks yeah. around and they pick up that third wild card. Um, like I said, I think I think we mentioned it a couple weeks ago. This could that could be a smart move. You know, don't, it's not thinking about now. It's just thinking about, Hey, maybe we, we get the guy that we want now and right. we're good for a couple of years, you know? Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the Red Sox, uh, picked up, uh, not their first win of July, but the first starter win of July, God. 
No starter had picked up a win in the month of July until today. Uh, just <laughs> the Red Sox just bummed me out. <laughs> <laughs> it's truly, it's truly. I want to get this out of the way because I know I'm, I'm guessing uh, Tyler Birch, which I mentioned quite often when we talk about the Red Sox, is listening to this segment. Yeah, I'm going to actually. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to Fenway Park this week, most likely, or, or next week. Um, uh, thanks to thanks to him. Uh, good friend. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, they, 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 you know, Josh wins Winchkowski, Winchkowski, whoever that is, <laughs> managed mm. to be the only person, only Red Sox starter to get a win in the month of July. Uh, the Red Sox did not then join the 1996 Tigers and also the 2022 Pirates to be Goodness the only gracious. teams in the, to go with calendar month by getting a win from a starter. The Pirates did that? Oh my God. I must have blanked that out. I'm, I'm sure I knew that, but. I didn't even Honestly, realize. I didn't, I didn't, I don't remember seeing any sort of tweet about that. It wasn't this month. It was like an earlier month this year, but it was like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but I just like, didn't hear about it until, some, you know, like, because it's the damn Red Sox. Because the Red, yeah, because the, the Pirates are supposed to be yeah, bad. Yeah. And the Red Sox are supposed to be something. So it's, yeah. I don't like, I, man, I don't know. And, and so we, we don't talk about the Red Sox a lot in the trade proposal segment. I mean, you know, it's two days till the deadline. Do they become sellers? We uh we did we did mention I'm not going to spoil it one of their stars possibly being traded, but it yeah. was one of those it was one of those like we don't really think this is going to happen. But guys like JD Martinez and some others like would it shock you? Definitely not. I just yeah, and, and 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 you know I, I mentioned know. we we have a uh, in our in our Slack channel which we talk a bit about in the segment too. We have a you know a big Red Sox fan. It's like it feels kind of 2012ish, and you know it feels like maybe it's like. Yeah, Martinez, Yovaldi, maybe Vasquez. Waka and Hill are both injured, but like both guys who might like, you know, have some value for a team down the stretch. They're they're right on the fringe where it's like I know they just had the worst month ever, but they could really just patch up. They're they're one of those teams where their holes are just so obvious, you know, like the back of the rotation. Their their bullpen in particular is just not tenable. You know I think I mean? it is one of the things where, where they could patch up and and maybe make a run, but like the AL East is so tough this this year that I mean it's it, just a matter of sneaking in. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's is true. that worth it? It's true. You know? I just like, like is it is it worth it to sneak in or is it better to to do a little bit of like all right, not like a full rebuild, just be like okay, there's here's some guys with expiring contracts we can move, right. but we still keep guys like like Devers and you hope you keep yeah. Bogarts, maybe you don't, but like you know uh, and, and and guys like that who you have for the long term that you're still going to keep you know Trevor right. story obviously you're still going to keep and and you move some of the guys that are like okay these are expiring contracts anyway let's just not think about winning this year and maybe retool a little bit for next year tricky part so. is i just don't know what jd martinez is worth you know what i mean like he's yeah. a good player but like he's kind of like, like i think he's got a year left and i think he's like fairly paid for what he is which is a good dh so you'll never play in the field you know and it's like that that for two months you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, are, are do they have anything that's like super notable? I don't know. And that's yeah. what's kind of strange. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like yeah, I mean, those, beyond those are, the guys are obvious. Those those are guys that you send for like you know maybe like a reliever with control, right? <laughs> like, yeah, or like you know like hey, we got this twenty year old that we really like. Both, you know, both stuff controls like a that, pitcher but, and team control. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but overall, it's just not the most valuable assets out there. Like they have those, but. I really don't think they're touching those guys that are like the eye openers, you know, like we discussed yeah. later on. Um, 
uh, hey, a couple of eye openers. We have uh, our uh, Aaron Judge, uh, who is now at 42 home runs here at the end of July. Um, do, do you think Aaron Judge threatens the record? <laughs> I well, mean, within possibility? Bonds, I don't know. But, you know, the American League record is only 61. And, you right. know, it's Maris. So, like, that feel, I mean, Aaron Judge having a home run chase has got to be, like, the best thing for baseball, right? That like the two best players in baseball are judge. who just is trying to threaten 67 and Otani. Who's doing something no one's ever done. Like judges, judges on pace for 66 <laughs> home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Maris obviously is at 61. It's not yeah. that far from bonds. You know, you have a monster week. Yeah. I mean that, and he kind of just had one of those, right. Which is right. what makes it like, ah, crap. This is actually like possible now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be reliant on some of these happening, you know, some of these runs kind of. But it's uh, if anyone's capable, of do, I mean, he's like 10 ahead of everyone else. Right. Like no one else. Like I think Schwarber has 32 and he's at 42. <laughs> it's so it's bonkers. like unreal. But yeah, he needs, what he a, needs one home run every three team games to get to 62 and, and cross Maris. That's sick. It's I mean, definitely Aaron, capable. That's he's capable of doing it. Yeah uh fun fun to watch and uh and you know we'll see if uh if he's a yankee in uh in six yeah. months <laughs> that would be peak perfection i think for the rest of baseball would be aaron judge setting the american league home run record and beating maris and then leaving new york the american league home record and and not to mention the yankees team home run record because yankee right. maris is also i mean obviously by beating the american league record you beat the yankees team record but like <laughs> best maris, was Bonds, a yankee. maris and bouncing <laughs> yeah <laughs> or I'm sorry, uh, Ruth, Ruth Maris, and then bouncing. Yeah, for sure. Made pretty great. Um, uh, also, uh, uh, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna see the time here. Austin Riley, 26 extra base hits in July, breaking Her- Hank Aaron's team record, and go. I mean, how is he this good? It's <laughs> like, wild. man. I I've watched a lot of Austin Riley. I've watched as much Austin Riley as anyone else has watched Austin Riley. Like the dude is like flawless at the play and I'm not saying he's like the best player ever, but like he slugged like 920 this month at a 420 something, you know, uh, average, like you just punishes baseballs. And I always and knew he almost these... wasn't an all-star. Yeah. <laughs> he basically was uh, the last substitute. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's just I can't believe how much he has grown in such a short amount of time. It you just don't see it that, that often, you know, where someone like it's like as us as amateurs, right, kind of watching the game. We're, we're we're fans more than like experts, right? But like when you watch a young guy struggle and you're like, man, if he can figure this out, it's gonna work. But, but man, like we talk about this all the time with guys that never figure this stuff out. And not yeah. only did he figure it out, he's made it like a strength. This like play discipline and game and using the entire field and all this stuff it's like the dude is just so complete and this is looking like a season that's going to rival the best that we've seen from like chipper jones and that's right, cause, like because you look you look insane. at like his like his, his rookie season and the COVID season you kind of combine that and it becomes kind of one full season and it's yeah. like it's an 86 ops plus across those two seasons like yeah you know and it's like he's it's not it's not good <laughs> he's hitting home runs and learning defense and it's like yeah it's like i mean I'm sure you, if you polled a lot of Braves fans after what 2019, a lot of them should have just said, "Yeah, pay Donaldson 
and, and then worry about Austin Riley later or trade him. Like that's, right. that was probably pretty common. I, I don't know if I would have done it, what I would have done, you know, as far as like actually trading him. I think, I think in our sim actually did, but um, you know, it's just a testament to his own work ethic, the Braves development that you know, they've had guys that have struggled this year and he's been able to just carry everything. How good he is. It's been, it's super fun, super, super fun. You yeah. know, he's like a legit, they're making it, right? Like he's right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, then, and last year he was too. And there's the thing, right? That, that that's the astounding thing is he was he was a legitimate MVP candidate, like like a sneaky MVP candidate last year. Like Dark Horse. And now he's already matched what he did last year in sixty fewer games. And yeah, and, and exceeded it. Like he's at he's at you know uh, uh, lost the home run number thirty three. He's twenty nine home runs and twenty nine doubles this year. He's yeah. at thirty three of each last year. Like very clearly going to cross those numbers. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he had two doubles today. Yeah. So like he like you know he's he's very clearly crossed all the numbers from last year except for like RBI. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's just he's he's improved and he's 25 years old. Like that's that is. He's I mean, short it's, list it's, of the most valuable players in baseball. And yeah, and, and you know, like that. as 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 on a roster with you know with a lot of really young, really good guys like Albies and Acuna. Exactly. Um, who are going to be around for a long time and are not being paid a lot of money. And you can suddenly yeah. be like, let's give Austin Riley a boatload of money because we're not being paying, you know, like that is, that is, you have a core that you can kind yeah. of build around for a long time. And that's, yep. you know, that's what literally every team wants. Very happy fan here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You've, uh, you kind of got to be, um, uh, Dylan put Austin Riley in the rundown, and then like right before we were recording, he's like, "We got to talk about Austin Riley." I was like, "Dylan, I I didn't say no." <laughs> I'm just <laughs> like, making sure we weren't like screwing around. Like this is legit. <laughs> he almost put up three wars in the month of July. Like that's pretty he's, crazy. He's inc- he's insane. He's truly it's wild. Making sure I'm not just a homer here. He's nuts. <laughs> He is nuts. He is nuts. It's like it is. It is. Sometimes I'm like, can we stop talking about Austin Riley? But like, you're right. We should talk about Austin Riley. Now's the time. <laughs> Now's the time. Now's the time. All right, let's talk about some of the trades that did happen. I know later we're going to talk about some of the trades that may or may not happen. Uh, but happen. we do want to talk about the big trades that, that did happen this week. The biggest, obviously, uh, Luis Castillo uh, was traded by the Reds to the Mariners in exchange for Noel V. Marte, Levi Stout, Edwin Arroyo, and Andrew Moore. Um, you know, half those guys are guys that are like, okay, cool. But uh, Noel V. Marte is legitimate, like top 10 fringe top 10 prospect um i think that's kind of a lot for luis castillo right luis castillo has been really really dominant it's like half a season or is it a season and a half it's a season and a half so you get get him a year he's been really dominant in a in a in a circumstance where everyone else has really struggled this year in cincinnati you know like as far as like yeah Tyler molly can't really get together no one in their book they can really get together luis castillo came in like after taking a, a month off from injury, basically. And he's been, you know, an ace since then. So I didn't expect the Mariners to be the ones to do it. Like, it's a legit package, right? You know, Noel V is yeah. a legit player, and the other three are, like, legit prospects, too. But um, it, it makes their you, – you stack that rotation up, and the young guys pitch like you kind of expect them to. And, man, that's, like – it gets a little harrowing once it gets to, like, October, and then you got to face Castillo and – Ray and you know I know Robbie Ray is not what he was, but he's still pretty good. And it like Luis Castillo played when the Reds did make the playoffs in 2020. Like him and Bauer both like right. played against the Braves, and the Braves managed to beat them despite the fact that Castillo and Bauer totally dominated their respective games. So I think he's someone that 
is totally capable of taking over a playoff series, and that's a really viable weapon to have. Yeah, and it kind of uh, uh, legitimizes the the Reds' decision to not trade him in the offseason. And, you know, and I'm going to say this later in the segment, I know this is like, I kind of get that, you know, like as long as Castillo, like, like it's, it's tough, right? Because if they, if they had done it in the off season, they would have traded both Castillo and Maley. And right. now they really can't trade Maley for very much. So maybe they would have gotten more, but they get, they get a lot more, I think for Castillo than they would have gotten if they had traded him in December or right. March or yeah. whatever. Cause so. I think he had a really rough start to last year and it kind of clouded his numbers a little bit, you know? Yeah. I think he finished with fine numbers, but it was really great after being bad, you know? Um, and now he's just great. So really, really big acquisition for them. Um, like I said, maybe, maybe not the team I expected, but really strong. Yep. Um, uh, some other trades, really not a lot to say about these, uh, Tyler Naquin and Philip deal for minor leaguers, Hector Rodriguez and Jose Acuna, uh, from, uh, the Mets. Sure. Tyler Naquin is a guy. I, yeah, I I think my take on the Reds is that every single bat on the Reds is a viable guy if he's like the first guy for revenge. Yeah, you know, like Which, every single you know. guy matters on that team. Donovan Solano, uh, Drury, um, you know, uh, Naquin, like all these guys are valuable players in the right role. And the Mets now yeah. have a all of these guys that they don't have to play every day, and they're just solid and hit righties or hit lefties. So. Um, I've liked all the things the Mets have done. Uh, David Peralta traded to the Rays for Christian Cerda. Yeah, I mean, Peralta does feel like a Rays guy. Yeah, platoon. He honestly feels a little yeah. bit like a Rays reclamation project. Like, he's, he's a guy who, like, had some really good seasons, and now mm-hmm. he's, like, decent. He's kind of like Rays... a yeah, veteran you just plug in, but, like, yeah. would it shock you if he just crushed righties for, like, a month or two? Definitely not, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, Andrew Benintendi traded the Yankees for Chandler Champlain, TJ Sykema, and Beck Way. Um, we talked a couple weeks ago about how Benintendi did not get vaccinated, still has not gotten vaccinated, so he cannot play in Toronto. Uh, the Yankees have one more series in Toronto and are likely to see them in the playoffs at some point. Uh, I, I, I don't know what else to really say about that. <laughs> Seems uh, like a like a sizable package for Benintendi. I mean, the, all the players I think are interesting. Like it's not like the Yankees blue chippers or anything like that. It's just, I mean, remember the Yankees were like the laughing stock, you know, because of the New York, um, vaccination rule. And the fact that we knew that Aaron judge and Anthony Rizzo weren't vaccinated and then they did. So, um, my hope is that they have some smart people in the building that can through like we value you and we need you for the playoffs and you need to you know do this um right so uh and i mean the fit makes a lot of sense they could they were kind of a situation where joe gallo did not work out i'm sure he will be traded for peanuts but uh, they needed someone that could just make contact with the baseball because they were lacking that kind of on their roster a little bit and uh he does that and can play good defense and yep you know all star, like he's probably one of the weaker all stars that could move at the deadline, but still, a I would good say maybe if you were doing like if you were like drafting a franchise, he'd be worth like maybe like I don't know a third round pick or something. Yeah, he's <laughs> a solid player. It's you not know, like twenty twenty one and twenty maybe like a twenty twenty one version of a franchise draft, a third round pick, something like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, also, we have uh, Edmundo Sosa for Jojo Romero. 
sure, lefty reliever Edmundo Sosa is a perfectly fine shortstop, not hitting all that well. He's a he's really a bench guy who has good defense. So a bench yep. a bench middle infielder for a lefty reliever is like maybe the least interesting version of a baseball trade. Yeah. That, that might be true, but the Phillies need pretty much any defense they can get. So I think it's viable for them. Yeah. And then also Chris Martin for Zach McKinstry, which is, you know, sure. Vaguely similar to this, to the, to the last one. <laughs> might be worse. <laughs> Utility yeah. guy for righty. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Those, those are all the trades we've gotten so far, unless we missed something. I don't know if we, Oh, that's Dixon right. Machado. For, Dixon Machado for what was his name. We're we're going back in time, like later in the podcast. We're like, who did Dixon Machado get traded for? He got it traded for Reynal Espanol. Yeah, big trade. <laughs> absolutely, he absolutely did. Major trade, major trade. <laughs> Dixon Machado slots right in on the Giants because they didn't have a backup shortstop, and their start, shortstop got hit in the head. Start Reynal. Let it rip. <laughs> um. Uh, also, Daniel Bard got a two-year extension, and he's what thirty-eight years old. Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. God. Let's preface this: great for Daniel Bard. What a cool story. What an awesome way that he's been able to revive his career and like have a team that appreciates him. Like, come on, Rockies! Like, <laughs> I saw the, I you have the best reliever on the market. Just. There was a tweet posted uh, from last year. I hope the Rockies never change. They're a relic from my youth when teams were bad and didn't know why instead of just being bad on purpose. It's true. It, they're like it's like anachronistic their thought process, and it's like I, I get it if it's just like a dude, but like Daniel Bar is really good, <laughs> and like but like not on your team. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean anything when you're seventy wins and he's saving twenty five games. I mean, so, they could trade him still, you know, <laughs> like could. it's just now was the time, you know, now is yeah. the time. And, you know, the chances of a 37 year old keeping up this, you know, ERA stuff is just not high, you know, and no, now's the it, time, to, you know, let the Yankees get Daniel Bard and let him know his 90 mile. You know, he's another turbo sinker. You know, I'm going to throw past you guy. I mean, like, I mean, the whole Daniel Bard story was so wild because like, yeah, when he was pitching, he was pitching, you know, pitching with the Rockies for like three years now. And like last year, it's like, didn't Daniel Bard retire like five years ago? And it's like, yeah, yeah he did. And then he just came back to baseball. <laughs> so many of these dudes that just find it, you know, Matzik is the latest kind of example. Like, you know, it's really great stories, but you have to know the value. You know, you can't. Yeah. Be tied to something, you know. Maybe as a reminder, Daniel Bard retired wasn't. in October 2017 and then came back in baseball in yeah. February 2020 and then now just signed a $19 million extension, which is like, like yes, absolutely great for Daniel Bard. Love that for Daniel Bard. <laughs> what are the Rockies doing? <laughs> yeah, it's just confusing. That is, that is more money than Daniel Bard has made in his career. Again, I'm to hoping be fair, they knew what was being offered. That's all I really hope. Is that like, I hope they knew like, oh, Red Sox are giving us this. I'd rather just keep him. Hopefully that was the mindset, not like we got to keep this guy at all costs. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but like this is also a team that, you know, gave the Cardinals money to take <laughs> Nolan Arnato. So like, mm-hmm. who knows? You know, <laughs> they're, they are so weird. the Colorado Rockies. Um, Colorado. Yeah. Uh, a big thing that happened like right at the beginning of this week, the the international draft not happening, qualifying offer is back. There was no deal. 
Uh, I know those negotiations have been happening for a while. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it seemed very clear that MLB was really not interested in that deal. What was like the number that came back? Like player association came with like a number of like 200 million. MLB was like, what if we give you like 95? Yeah. When, when they're that far apart, it feels obvious that it's just like, eh. Um, and like, it was always just like, very interested in like, it just, it never really lined up. The, the numbers, by the way, to, yeah. to be exact, uh, uh, MLB's proposal was 181. MLBPA came back with 260, and then MLB came back with 190. And it's like, okay, so this is just not happening. <laughs> yeah. So. Um. Yeah, and you know, Players Association obviously not uh, not happy about it, but you know, when are they happy about it? <laughs> it's it's. It's what it is. Um, people smarter than us have, I'm sure, talked about this quite a bit more than us. So you can read, I'm sure, plenty of articles about it. Mm -hmm. um, I also want to mention this real quick. Uh, there's a new professional league that has been announced. It's called the UIBL, United International Baseball League, launching worldwide uh, in India, Pakistan, the Middle East is where it's intended to serve. Obviously, this is near and dear to me. Uh, I'm a Pakistani-American. Uh, I'm very excited to see if I would like very much for Pakistan to succeed, in, uh, for, for baseball to succeed in that part of the world mm -hmm. where cricket is king. Um, like, just like number one with a bullet there's nothing right. like it's like that maybe else. soccer yeah. is number two <laughs> like but like it's like a distant number two yeah. you know um, do you do you so think like i that so i know you have like that jacket is that for the pakistani baseball team yeah the the, the world baseball yeah. classic team from 20 like 15 or whatever that was 17 whatever the last world baseball classic qualifier was so the pakistan so the pakistani baseball team is really interesting we could do a whole deep dive on this <laughs> we'll pakistani baseball team is all not professional guys mm -hmm. like they all they all have daytime day jobs like they they play baseball in their off time they don't have real equipment um like they they play on like dilapidated soccer right. fields um and and you know like to even make it as far as the qualifying around the world baseball classic which they got destroyed in but they're, and they're gonna be back in like next year's world, uh, yeah. qualifyings but like to make it that far is astounding and now imagine if and uh so in this photo also and and um in the in further tweets barry larkin and mariana rivera are both involved I don't know exactly how they're involved. Mm -hmm. You know, they're in some of the photos and stuff like that, and they're clearly working in some capacity. Oh, some legitimacy, you know? Yeah, some legitimacy, and, and, and hopefully that also, you know, I'm sure they've got plenty of contacts at Major League Baseball, yeah. so potentially there, there'd be some affiliation there down the road. Um, like, if you are involved in UIBL somehow... I would love to work for you. <laughs> I tweeted that to them. I'm like, how do I get a job? I was born in Pakistan, grew up in America. I love baseball. I want to help this succeed. You're typecast awesome. for the role. So hopefully they listen. Yeah. Um, then nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Get them on the podcast, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's a good, that's a good point. I should like DM this dude and be like, Hey, come on the podcast. Talk about UIBL. Um, what do you, th you know, obviously you don't live there, but you know, you visit there, I think regularly. Um, what do you think? Like, based on your minor finger on the pulse, like, do you think baseball is something that could, I mean, you know, obviously it's never going to be major, major, but like, could it yeah. catch on because cricket is kind of like in the same universe, you know, would that so help? I think, I think, I think it could, I don't think the cricket connection necessarily will help. I think honestly it might hurt. I think, mm. I think Pakistani, at least, at least what I have seen, you know, my family uh, within my own family, people 
kind of poo-poo baseball uh-huh. because of its similarity to cricket and like, you know, they have to wear big gloves yeah. and in cricket, they don't wear big gloves, right? They just make catch with their bare hands. Right. Um uh, but like, there's not a lot of like this professional cricket in Pakistan. There's not a lot of like, I don't think there's really professional soccer, right? If you're a soccer fan, you're like, you're a fan of right. the major stars, right? You're a Ronaldo fan, I'm or sure you're a Messi fan, there, or whatever. But it's like, you know, it, it's just probably not something we know about. The the sport exists, but there's not like there's not like perf- like real professional, you know, like there's not like Top famous level, yeah. Pakistani soccer players yeah. right um you know like my, my cousin my younger cousin is super into soccer but mm-hmm. like he just watches you know she's like a ronaldo fan yeah. you know <laughs> man <laughs> like, city and that's, stuff yeah yeah exactly yeah my my uh my um my cousin's wife is a huge man united fan and she grew up in pakistan she lived in pakistan her whole life is a big man like a huge huge man united fan that's all she talks about on twitter and stuff like so like that that is so i think i think the proximity effect of it mm-hmm. um could really could really help like just because there's not a lot of other options right. like that like there is cricket obviously uh and there's the, there's the PSL and there's international cricket obviously but like yeah i th- i think um i think having that proximity and and giving people more of an exposure to it right like yeah. i've taken my cousins my american pakistani cousins uh the ones who live in st louis i've taken the cardinals games in the past um my pakistani like the ones who moved from pakistan yeah. i have a cousin who's uh, in fact i mentioned i'm going to fenway next week one of the cousins one of my cousins from pakistan is going to be in boston i'm taking him to a game at fenway mm-hmm. so like i think i think you know the people who like sports like sports right like yeah. Plenty of us do the same thing, right? I, I know plenty of Americans, Lewis, for example, try to get into cricket and, and, and is attempting to, to, to learn more about cricket because he loves sports, yeah. right? And so I think, I think that desire is always there. And so the more options you have, and there's like there's 2 billion people in that part of the world, right? Like yeah. just, just you can, like just by introducing, if you introduce to 2 billion people and you get 1% of 2 billion people, exactly. that's like, 20 million people <laughs> it's can, like a lot of people i mean i'm sure you know the same kind of logic happened with you know korea and J- japan at some point right like they had to be they had to start somewhere you know maybe you know 50 years from now we're talking like hey like there are players coming out of pakistan that are like you know, yeah. let's give them a shot because they Honestly, got professional I think training. Sooner, and stuff, right? I think, right? I think, like because because like those WC WBC guys again, they're not like all that great, but like if they're good enough to get right. to the WBC, are are we like I think we're maybe 10, 15 years away from from a player from Pakistan getting you know drafted or international free agent right. signed or like whatever, just getting a shot, yeah, <laughs> whatever the CBA is in fifteen years, the, you know, they can find yeah, a live arm shot. and you know they'll they'll teach from there you know yeah and you know that was that was a thing right they they did that in in you know, there's the whole movie about it right million dollar mm-hmm. arm where and i think they were javelin throwers uh from india yeah. but like if you can like there's plenty of athletes with plenty of skill you know mm-hmm. and and also one thing about cricket too is like there's a lot of equipment in cricket yeah. and there's a lot less equipment in baseball right. like you can you can you know and, and in cricket like in like on the street baseball uh, on the street cricket you can play quite easily it's very you put two chairs up you all you need is a bat and a ball yeah. um but uh but for baseball like even on the professional level you need a bat you need some bases you need you probably should have a helmet <laughs> right and like but like there's a lot less padding you know so like and a lot fewer players that you need to have equipped how many so uh, i how think many players on a cricket team like average uh, 11 aside 
yeah, I think there's usually 11 on the field for the fielding team and then two for the batting team. Also 13 on the field at the same time. Gotcha. And how many do you typically have a lot of reserves or is it typically just those dudes? Uh, typically not a lot of reserves. Okay. No. Yeah. So, uh, and then that's the other thing too. Yeah. So like now, you know, if, if you have club baseball, then you have, you know, if you, you have a 20 man yeah. roster, which is, yeah. I, I'm sure part of the process will be like, Hey guys, you guys are obviously really talented young cricket players. Have you tried to throw baseball before? You know, hopefully there's some of that right. process. And it's also, it's also part of the world where it's always warm. Yeah. So there's not really an off season. <laughs> you can, you can play all, all year around if you really want to. Exactly. So maybe it'd even be better yeah. somewhere like in the winter, I guess. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, they do some winter ball in, in, in Pakistan and India yeah, and in the Middle East. Cool. Sure. Um, uh, let's talk about a couple of quick injuries. Um, uh, oh, actually, sorry. First, I want to talk about the Reed Detmer's immaculate inning against the Texas Rangers. Just dunking on Ezekiel <laughs> Duran, man. Ezekiel Duran is like, and it's like, whatever, you know, like a lot of guys have three pitch at bats throughout a season. It's just Ezekiel Duran has had a couple of very high profile three pitch at bats this year. Yeah, specifically three of them. <laughs> oh. Oh, it's 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 really like the poor Rangers. Like I don't, I don't, man. And like, weren't they in the mix at some point for like Otani or Soto or something like that? We're not gonna we don't talk about any of those trades in yeah. the in the segment. But like, they're like in the mix for trades, and it's like you are a bad team this year. Like, what? Do you, like, I get it. You know, Soto is a guy who you're gonna you can have for two more years. But like, what is? <laughs> what is happening in texas hey i mean uh, you know committed to the bit yeah you know yeah, yeah. you'd go for it all four i'm saying times is the cardinals go... could use martin perez you know how much i love martin perez that's true god martin perez is basically a left-handed uh michael miles michaelis oh my god it's messed up that's true <laughs> I, 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 you know, like just get him for half a season, let him go, let him sign back with Texas and do it all again next year. Yep. Um, all right. And then a couple of injury uh, report things. Like we mentioned, Rays lost uh, Kiermaier and Zanino to season ending surgery. Mike Trout was shut down uh, uh, earlier this week with a rare back condition. But today uh, he said um, he you know, met with more doctors. He's supposed to be doing rotation work on Wednesday and should be swinging a back by the end of the week, hopefully. So like, you know, yeah. that's very the, encouraging news. As someone that's dealt with some other back things, I don't know exactly the condition he's dealing with, but it sounds like to me that what's happening is that there's like joint inflammation and stuff, like when he does certain types of things. And it's not like a degenerative spinal injury, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, it's not like his like structural stuff is getting worse. It's just that like the joints get inflamed to the point where it's really uncomfortable and it hurts. Um, so hopefully that just means, you know, like obviously when any baseball player gets older, they have to really worry about maintenance. And I think it's just gonna be a lot of maintenance. And once they figure it out, it'll work out. But obviously Mike Trout's had so many scary, weird injuries over the last few years. It's like, I really hope that they have it, you know, ironed out. (laughs) I mean, yeah, the, the, the the career trajectory is definitely getting, getting a little, you know, I'm sure it's frustrating for him, you know, like that, that he, that dude wants to be on the field 102 days a a year, especially since, you know, it's, it's pretty clear that he is like still an amazing baseball player. And if he's the second best player on his team, but like, um, (laughs) you know, like 
we we all want to see. You know, I think it's one, like, it's one of those things where like, is he is he the second best player on his team? Like only because he's only playing sixty games Maybe, a year, yeah. right? Like if he was playing one hundred sixty games is a year, just, he might still be yeah. the best the player MVP. on his team. He's just like, yeah, it's just it's just yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think you know like. God willing, we'll get a full season of Mike Trout next yeah. year, right? I guess that's every year for, for Mike Trout this, at this point. But. After today's, you know, the most recent stuff, cautiously optimistic, but I'm still like, whenever you hear back, it's like, man, like, ugh, I can bear it. Like, if my back stops acting up, like, I don't even want to, like, move. And he has to go play baseball 162 yeah. times. Like, that right. sucks, you know? I, 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 although, for what it's worth, Mike Trout, uh, before the back stuff, was in much better physical shape than you Listen, are. <laughs> we didn't have to bring that up. <laughs> much better physical shape than I am, too. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to... That is correct. Um, uh, Julio Rodriguez, another very exciting player. We talked a lot about last week after his home run derby performance. Uh, you know, dude very much put himself on the map of hey i'm here i am a superstar watch me uh got hit by a pitch he's on the il i think it's probably like a 10-day stint his x-rays came back negative i think they're just like we want to make sure this dude is here for the next 10 years yeah. <laughs> and not like rush him back from a hand injury when we don't need to yeah uh you know he he played the rest of the game in the outfield and i think it, they replaced him and it worked out because they replaced him and they got the hit they needed but um you know, yeah, 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 and also Abraham Toro played like left field. Yeah, that he played game, right, right field because... for the first time in his career because uh, they had to play yeah. <laughs> uh, Frazier in center field. It was very goofy, um, but they won. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like <laughs> it's just hey, let's not overdo this. And obviously, getting Castillo and whatever else they got for the deadline is going to help that a lot. So, glad it's not broken. Yeah. Uh, also. Believe it when I see it, but Jacob DeGrom is supposed to be back this week. Uh, theoretically, he'll be pitching on Tuesday, uh, which is the trade deadline. Um, not that he was ever going to be traded. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I will I, I, I believe it when we see it. <laughs> um, uh, but very exciting to see Jacob DeGrom pitching. And uh, you know that what a, what a boon that will be for the Mets down the stretch. I'll be really excited uh, until he pitches against the Braves, which is especially he pitches against the Braves. Next yeah, week. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's I Nationals mean, Braves for him <laughs> as it lines up currently. If he comes back as expected, so that's nice. It's basically a rehab start, and then <laughs> he's the got Braves. another Triple A, and then <laughs> he's got a real team. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets a real oh my team. god! Imagine if <laughs> he pitches against. Like the first day that the Nationals don't have Juan Soto. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, he'll probably still be there. But I mean, even if they lose, like, you know, <laughs> but even if they lose um, Josh Bell and Nelson Cruz, and then it's like DeGrom versus Juan Soto and Luis Garcia and Yadiel Hernandez, like, oh no. Uh, yeah. Well, um, crossed. all right that's uh <laughs> that's gonna do it for this intro um actually it reminds me of of uh, i don't remember we mentioned this before but that that uh when the uh what was it Degrom and lugo and Syndergaard were all oh, yeah, rehabbing against so the funny. palm beach cardinals <laughs> like three days in a row and they're like the twitter account these like... guys are like 17 years old <laughs> like what are you doing <laughs> the, to us you know the twitter like... account for the red birds or whatever it was just like this is this is not cool guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, come on yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this again <laughs> Everyone's doing 100 DeGrom, miles an hour. Syndergaard and Lugo. It's like, are you kidding me? Are you joking? These are grown-ass like, adults. You know, 
<laughs> yeah, this is like 30 years old and the picture gets like 19 year old, like, you know, like kids straight out of high school. Yeah. Good luck. Oh, uh, man. Uh, all right. Yes. Yeah, so like, uh, that's going to be it for this, uh, for this intro segment. It did go a little longer than we hope. It's a long episode. A long episode. I don't know what to, what to tell you. It's a long one. Trade deadlines. Trade deadline is going to be here on Tuesday. Um, there's, yeah, there's a low chance, but I feel like a non-zero chance that we might do like a quick trade deadline wrap up on Wednesday. We haven't talked about it, but we did talk about it last year and then didn't do it. So, so I, I, I might toss it out. Uh, listen, odds are it's going to be me and Dylan again. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's <laughs> lay the odds out. <laughs> it just it just happens. Uh, as I mentioned last week, if you are interested in contributing to the podcast, uh, uh, please send a DM to Cardiff underscore Lorda on uh, on Reddit. Uh, he is the executive producer of the show. He would be happy to take your interest and potentially we'd, we'd love to get more voices. I'm sure somebody is tired of hearing me on these intros. I will not be on these intros for at least two weeks because I will be traveling and in Boston. Um, uh, not that I have recorded this podcast from Boston before, but I will be at a wedding on Sunday. So like, I think actually, in fact, I'll be emceeing a wedding on Sunday. Well, you'll so, have your microphone. Um, so what's your excuse? I will have my microphone. It'll be in my hand. Um, the following week I might be back, but definitely the next two weeks you should not, it will be something will have to have gone catastrophically wrong for you to be hearing my voice from inside Midway airport next Sunday. <laughs> so, um, but until then, uh, the trivia answer. Uh, we did ask at the beginning of the show, how long before the game start time is the exchanging of lineup cards? The answer, Dylan, you were very close. It wasn't six minutes, it's five minutes. Oh, I was trying to be not like- Lineup cards are exchanged five minutes before scheduled start time. That makes sense. So yeah, before the national anthem, before, I think before the ceremonial first pitches even, they do the, the exchanging of the lineup cards. That makes sense. It's, it's, I guess it's just like a, a nice round number. Yeah, you know? I was trying. I was trying to like be like, well, is it going to be a round number? Or so I, I overthought yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, with that, uh, Dylan, thanks so much for joining me, and we'll hear you later on the show. Thank you. But uh, thanks for being here. I'll catch you here in a few <laughs> seconds. I think. Uh, in a in a few minutes, because first we are going to hear Lewis. Oh yeah, right. Talking to uh, talking to Orioles power ranker Gib Tufsa. Uh, uh, AKA Ben about the Orioles. And then you're going to hear me and Dylan and uh, federal league MVP, AKA frack talking about the uh, some, some really fun and silly trade proposals. Uh, truly. I think, I think maybe one of my favorite moments of the podcast is at the very end of that segment. It's so definitely stick good. around for that. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, so stick around and, uh, and listen to Lewis and Ben after the break. Let's go. And we'll, we'll hear you in a little bit. Go O's. And Red Sox. Go Red Sox, too. Tyler, I love the Red Sox. <laughs> well, welcome back, everybody. Thank you, Nine, for leading us in. Uh, my name is Lewis, and I am excited to be back with the big fat ass backwards aka ben the orioles power ranker ben it is great to have you back on a pretty happy occasion i guess for for the orioles how have you been these past few months uh, i've been good great to be back on this podcast i'm shocked that this will be my second time and yes yeah, since we last talked and i wanted to see quote unquote improvement i think 
I think I, I got what I asked I for. I think we got some improvement out of the Orioles, which is always good to good to see. So, okay, last time uh, we talked back on episode nice, uh, episode 69. For any of you <laughs> who want to go back and listen, there's still some great stuff back in that episode. Give some more context on power rankings. It wasn't just Orioles stuff. Good listen. But uh, you talked a little bit about how you volunteer at the ballpark. Um, can you just briefly fill in new listeners on what you do so they kind of understand why I'm asking some vibe check questions uh, after yeah, this? Sure. Absolutely. The, uh, the Oriole Advocates is the group that I volunteer with. Uh, it's the only group like it in Major League Baseball. Uh, we basically are a group of volunteers who partner with the Orioles to not only help them out and do their giveaways, so the bobbleheads, uh, the T-shirts, the, um, what else have we had this year? The Hawaiian shirts, which everybody likes. We're going to have soccer jerseys this year. Um, all, all the giveaways at the ballpark where you normally go to a stadium, it's done by the ushers. Our group is the one that actually does it at Camden Yards. Uh, we've been a volunteer organization for 62 years now. Uh, we actually are the group that started the Orioles Hall of Fame, which is at the stadium. So the oh, Orioles actually didn't do that. That's something <laughs> that the FBI did. Uh, but the, the big two things that we do besides the giveaways, which we're really, really proud of, is the Cardboard to Leather program and our Challenger baseball program. And the Cardboard to Leather program, we collect to gently use baseball and softball equipment and ship it to all sorts of different third world countries uh, to kids who are interested in learning about baseball or who need equipment. So we've shipped to the Dominican Republic, we've shipped to Europe, we've shipped to Haiti, um, we've shipped baseball equipment all over the world, which is super cool. Um, and then our Challenger Baseball League is something that our entire group is super passionate about. It is a baseball league for kids with mental and physical disabilities. Um, we go out there and basically hold baseball games for them. Uh, we have pitchers and catchers and they get to you know play baseball just like everybody else. They have certain... You know, they have their own fields that they play on. Um, and from time to time, Orioles legends will come out and join us and do the, the Challenger Baseball League with us. And it's really cool because the Orioles are kind enough to give us personalized jerseys for every single kid that does That's the program. Awesome. Um, they do, you know, they send out the legends to us. Uh, they, you know, the Orioles certainly don't have to do that. Right. Um, but they really are invested in that program. And to see the look on these kids' faces as they're, you know, rounding the bases or hitting the ball or playing catch with like Al Bumbry or somebody <laughs> like that. It's just, it's, it, that's really why you get involved in something like this. I mean, yeah, doing, doing the giveaways is great. And, you know, you know, giving bobbleheads to kids as they come through the gate and they're excited is fun, but the, the charitable part is really what, what drew me to becoming part of the Oriole Advocates. And that's really, you know, that's what we hang our hat on. That's awesome. I feel like we could do a whole segment on that. We might need to do that this off season, Ben, have you back just to talk about that and uh, all the great things you do there. Um, so, awesome. so that, that we'll talk about, we will talk about that this off season. We, we will have you back on to talk a little bit more about that. Um, I want to circle back more to that being at the ballpark, handing out all the giveaways, that side of things. Um, what has the vibe been at Oriole Park at Camden Yards as of late? Are, are there more fans showing up or, or is there at least a little more engagement from the fans? What's the vibe been there? The vibe has been, I think you see excitement and hope for the first time in, in a few years. And, you know, people remember the years of 14 and 16 you right. know, when we won the American League East. We were in the playoffs and the place was packed. It was, you know, 
38 to 42,000 people every night, you know, screaming and yelling. And, and especially when the team won the AL East, I mean, it was very tough to, to find a ticket. And then you had a huge drop off and people just don't want to pay to travel down to the city uh, and go to a stadium where they know 70 to 80% of the time the team is going to lose. And I think it's the vibe is different because I think Brandon Hyde put it perfectly. I think somebody interviewed him a week or two ago. It may have been on Mad Dog show or something like that, where he asked me, what's it like in the, in the locker room? And Brandon Hyde was just like, hey, when we come to the ballpark, we expect to win. And that's a big difference from the past few years where it's, you know, they want to win and they want right. to do well. But I think a lot of them expected that they were not as good as the other teams. I think now, especially with a lot of the comeback victories, we, the people in the stands, they, they're not leaving in the fifth or sixth inning to get home, mm-hmm. you know, to be traffic or to get home because they have work tomorrow. They're sticking around because they know maybe in the eighth or ninth inning, you're going to see a late rally or you're going to see a walk-off. And the fact that the team is 500 and it's August, I mean, is, is I think, a pleasant surprise for a lot of Orioles fans. I think they were – obviously, the win total this year was 61.5. I think a lot of the sports books had them at. Um, and I think, you know, we were projected to be last place again, and that's fine. I think this, this little boost and, and this kind of record at the, this late stage of the year has been a surprise to a lot of people. Um, but I also think it's at the beginning of something that's going to be really, really good, hopefully, over the next few years if they can keep the momentum going. So the vibe of the ballparks changed. I think there are definitely more people. Uh, definitely not, still not as crowded as it used to be. Yeah. But we're, we're no longer seeing crowds of eight or 9,000. I mean, we're pushing 18, 19, 20,000. Okay. Especially uh, the Yankee series after the All-Star break, the place is packed. Um, which is is great and that it wasn't just all Yankee fans and they come down and they pack the park as yeah, well. Yeah, that's, that's that's what you always worry about then, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's understandable. It's cheaper for them sometimes to hop on the train and, and get a ten dollar ticket to Camden Yards to instead of going to Yankee Stadium and paying two hundred bucks for a ticket. And that's fine. Look, I would do it too if there was a cheaper alternative. Um, but just to see the place packed and the, you know, to to play hard against the Yankees and actually win and, and you know and it, it being 90 some degrees out and still seeing a lot of people <laughs> yeah. there. It's uh, it's different. It's nice. It's nice to see it crowded. It's nice to see a lot of people there. So people are excited. They have some sort of hope that things are turning a corner. And I think they're the, the losing eight, nine, 10, 12, 14 in a row is, is probably, you know, knock on wood in the past. Yeah. Good. So as we sit right now, uh, we are just kind of double checking here. You guys are at 500. It's Sunday night. We release Monday morning. That's not changing. Um, and all the AL teams are done done for the night. So we're, we're sitting at 500. And right now, you guys are three games out of that second or out of the third wild card. Um, only three and a half behind the second wild card, too. So it's, you, you know, the, you're right there. There are a couple teams in between those pesky central teams that just tend to stick around. Um darn central teams because the twins just can't put it away and tell them to sell um the the white Sox and guardians are in between is there is there a legitimate feeling by some people that you guys could make a run right now is there an optimism there or is it more of we're just happy that we're we're playing well there's hope for the future this is great um but no one's going to be 
disappointed if they don't make a miraculous run here. I think, I don't think anyone's going to be disappointed if they don't make a miraculous run um, because of the such low expectations right. at the beginning of the year. If you ask the random Oriole fan, most of them want them to be buyers at the trade deadline. Okay. And, and this is just your random like right. guy or girl on the street saying, hey, you know, the Orioles are 593 games out of the wild card. There's an extra wild card team this year. You know, there's 60 games left. What do you want the O's to do? And they're like, oh, well, you know, Let's go for it. Why not? I mean, our payroll is less than Max Scherzer makes in a month. I mean, you know, what, what's the worst that could happen? You're not going to, you're obviously not going to trade away your top talent to get a rental. If you're going to get a rental um, and you can trade away somebody who may not be on the team next year anyway. So maybe they are a lot of, a lot of the pundits are calling them buyers and sellers. Maybe Michael Elias can do both and do that, you know, kind of weird thing where he buys a little bit, you know, for the future and sells a little bit. That's not going to be here for the future. If you ask the, I don't want to call them the smarter Oriole fan, but if the, if you ask the Oriole fan, that's more in tune with the, the rebuild, the the more um the the more realistic, yeah, the, realist, the more down to earth, down the to more earth, studious, hands um, in all the baseball <laughs> literature, and maybe <laughs> maybe look at box scores beyond just the O's. Okay, right, yeah. <laughs> if you ask that person, um. I think the realistic thing is they're, they're not a playoff team. Uh, if you look how the roster is constructed now, the, the bottom of their lineup hits a collective 208. Um, their, their starting pitching has no depth. Um, you have, you know, people like Austin Voth starting every five days, Spencer Watkins, um, Tyler Wells just came back. Dean Kramer gave up, had a terrible outing yesterday. Um, they, they just don't, they, they're missing some stuff. So when you ask somebody like myself, I would be a seller at the deadline, but not a huge seller. Um, I'm a little surprised they haven't made any moves yet, uh, considering the trade deadline is on Tuesday. Right. Um, I, I really would have thought, especially the way that Trey Mancini reacted with his last hit at Camden, you know, quote unquote, last hit at Camden Yards, what we think is his last hit. I, I'm a little surprised they haven't either moved him or Santander or one of the bullpen pieces um, because there have been, there's been trades. There's been a lot of trades. Right. The Mets have picked up hitters. The Yankees got Ben attendee. Um, the Mariners got Castillo from the Reds. I mean, people are, people are making moves, but again, the market just isn't as hot as it uh, has been in the past. So maybe Michael Elias is waiting till the last minute to kind of see what he can get for somebody or, they're going to do what the, you know, the, the, the one thing, when you look at this team, the clubhouse is clicking on all cylinders. Mm -hmm. Those guys, they play for each other. You can tell they're having fun. You can tell they enjoy being out there with each other. And you know what? They, they've made it to 500 this far into the season. Elias may just be like, may just be like, Hey, throw your hands up. This, this year's great. We're going to stand pat. We're not going to do anything. The off season will do what we need to do and bring in maybe a couple of bigger names um, and then we'll see where we go from there. And that may be the, the most, not the most wanted course of action for everyone sitting here in Baltimore, but it may be the most correct course of action. Yeah, you, you've got that balance of all the people who want to be buyers and all the people who want to be sellers. And um, sometimes standing pat is the best way to keep people coming to the ballpark. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm imagining Trey Mancini is a huge fan favorite. Um, 
the Orioles making an extension offer to him would be more understandable than the uh, Rockies extending their 30-something-year-old reliever who admittedly is having a good season, but that that we're, we're going to have to have Scrax back on and just have <laughs> him explain to us what's going on um, because I know he doesn't understand it, but he also kind of understands it from, uh, from a distorted point of view. So we'll have to have him on. So what what would you do you you said you know you you think there should be sellers um let's what what do you think would be the best course of action here at the deadline um to to make the orioles more set for the future um if i was to make any move it would to be to trade lopez now that may catch people off guard um he's having a career year as a quote-unquote closer uh, reliever, you know, he, he was not a great starter. Um, but if you look at our bullpen, I look at Bautista as the next closer. Um, and again, he gave up the game winning home runs today, and that's going to happen to any closer. Oh, yeah, at any given I mean, point Clay Holmes just blew a, blew a massive game today, right? And he's and probably the best right now. Lopez gave you guys Diaz. two victories in Minnesota, you know, and let Buxton hit right. one clear, you know, into the next state one night, and then the next night he gives up another homer. So it's going to happen. Um, but I, we have arms down on the farm for once, um, and they're going to come up next year, and some of them are going to be bullpen arms and some of them are going to be starters. Um, but I look at Batista as the future. Um, the guy's, what, like 23, 24 years old. Lopez is a little older than that. And I understand Lopez is under team control for the next four or five years or whatever it is. Um, but if I were going to make one move, it would to be it would be to trade him and get – you know, I, I look at our positions we're weak at uh, and up the middle of the infield. Mateo's great, but, you know, his greatness comes with his speed. And mm-hmm. if he doesn't get on base, you can't utilize that tool. And Odor, while a great clubhouse guy, which is the craziest thing to say out loud. I mean, it just it's, it seems sacrilegious to say he's, that. But... He's only great when he's got the beard, though. Beardless Odor is terrible. Yeah, the Yankee Odor looked very out of place and looked just like very odd in the face. Um, But he's good in the clubhouse. And and as a guy, you want like kind of rah-rah on your team is fine. But if we could get, you know, some some higher level prospects up the middle. And I know we have people in the minors that are going to play those positions and that's fine. Um, But Lopez's value is the highest it's ever been. And you've seen the playoffs, you know, for as many years as I have probably pitching is the key. You just, the offense goes down in the playoffs. You don't see nine to six games. Usually it's usually very tight games goes down to the bullpen. Everyone wants starting pitching. Everyone wants relief pitching. Um, Yeah. They could get rid of a guy like Vespi or they could get rid of, you know, another middle reliever if they wanted to, but the, the big trade chip besides, you know, Mancini and Santander, if you're looking at trade people, Lopez would be my guy. And I'd want probably two middle infielders, not your highest level prospect, but oh, it's, yeah, it's just a reliever, right? Yeah. I would want two guys who are close to being major league ready. That could certainly outperform Odor and Mateo if they had to, which I, I don't think would be that complicated looking at their stats this year. I would trade you most of the Twins middle in- infield prospects for um, any piece of your bullpen. Like, I-, I just want your whole bullpen. You got the best bull- by uh, Fangraphs uh, estimates. You have the best bullpen in baseball right now. And yeah. uh, I, 
you add the best bullpen in baseball to any playoff contender, um, it's going to be really good. The twins, especially because we could really use that. So that, that would be, that would be a good idea. There's all, I mean, everyone's looking for relievers at the deadline, right? Uh, Yankees, Yankees are rated number two bullpen and uh, everyone's tweeting, oh, the Yankees are looking for bullpen depth too. That's just what people want at the deadline. So you've got a lot to sell um, if you really wanted to, but uh, that team control, like you said, that that can be a little bit of a hindrance. And of course we're talking about this now. um, And since we're going to, it's the trade deadline and we're recording Sunday evening by tomorrow morning when this finally goes out everyone's going to be gone because that's that's just Probably. how these things work yeah, um, yeah exactly yeah, exactly right? otani will be traded so yep. will be trade Every, everyone everything's everything is going to be gone it'll uh, be madness <laughs> so let's let's say that you know what the the front office says um you know what we don't want to we want to keep fans coming to the ballpark we don't want to mortgage the future for a off shot um we're just going to stand pat for yeah at the trade deadline, how do you, you know, what should we expect out of the Orioles down the stretch? If you guys stay pat with what you've got right now, I wouldn't be shocked if they ended the year with 70 to 75 wins. Um, and that's clearly they're 500 now. So that's saying they're right. going to be a little under 500 mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of the year. They have a tough schedule. I mean, they still have a ton of games against the AL East. The AL, AL East is a monster division. Every team is basically 500. Uh, the Red Sox are one game under, so we'll count that as 500. But it's but it's more fun to rag on the Red Sox, Ben. Yeah, of course. I, I mean, mean, sorry, Dr. Tyler Birch, if you're listening, but uh, yeah, it's more fun to rag on them. So you do have a below 500 team there, Ben, in that division. Can't, can't say yeah, it's too easy. Uh, and they are the team that's in last place, unlike exactly. the Orioles, which are not in last place. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think realistically, I, it'd be nice to say, at the end of August, we're still three games out of the wild card. I mean, that would be fun. And I think September baseball would mean a lot. I think people would kind of delay looking at the Ravens a little bit longer, mm-hmm. um, and looking at whether Lamar signed his contract or not, uh, just a little bit longer. But if the, if the Orioles were still a handful of games out of a wild card possibility, because stranger things have happened. I mean, baseball, like we were talking about earlier, it's such a weird game. Um, you know, you go into a series and you expect to win and you don't, or maybe you expect to lose and you sweep somebody, they could, they could get hot and there's September call-ups, um, somebody on other teams could get injured, uh, you know, and, and you have young teams in the wild card. I mean, Seattle, there's a lot of, look, they are, they're a good team. They're a really good team. Robbie Ray is by far one of the best pitchers in the American league but they're a young team Mm -hmm. and the pressure to break a 21 year playoff drought may weigh on some people's shoulders and they may start to, they may start to stress and they may start to look around and be like, Oh, you know, why, why aren't we playing as well? Or why aren't, you know, we, you know, we should be doing as well as we were last month. We won 14 in a row. And now all of a sudden we lost six in a row to the Astros and to the Rangers and whoever. So that, you know, they could fall back a little bit. The guardians, they're a good team as well, but again, very inexperienced. And if Shane Bieber gets injured, they're, they're kind of, you know, what yeah, do they do? Little, little tough up to the wall there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Toronto, they're locked. I mean, they're, they're on such a streak <laughs> right now. I don't see that anyone catching them for the number one wild card spot. Um, Tampa injuries have really That's decimated the their thing. team. I feel like yeah. every day I wake up and someone new on the raise is injured. 
It's, yeah, and, and Wander's not in the lineup. Rosarena's not having the year that he had previously. Their pitching's not as good as it has been in the past. So they're, they may go into a slump. They may not. I mean, they've been there before. They've been in the playoffs numerous times. And maybe mm-hmm. they may know enough of what it takes to get in there. But you look at the other teams, the White Sox, eh, I, I mean, they, on paper, they should be destroying everybody. But you don't play the game on paper, and Tony Lewis is 147 years old. Right. So, I mean, you know, they may be worried about him going to cardiac arrest if the game's too close. I don't know. <laughs> so they, they may fall back a little. Boston, uh, you know, they're in last place right now, so maybe they fall back a little bit. So maybe if the Orioles kind of stand pat and do their thing and play 500 baseball or maybe a little bit over 500, they sneak in. I, do I expect that to happen? No. But, again, where do I see them, you know, by the end of the season? If they're – a handful of games out and they end the season a handful of games out. I think Orioles fans will be happy going into the off season, knowing that this year wasn't a complete disaster. Like it's been the past three years. It wasn't a hundred plus losses. And there's actually a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And especially with that third wild card, um, mm-hmm. there's always next year. And for the AL East, especially um, that third wild card is going to make a big difference moving forward. As far as the yeah. playoffs are concerned, Well, Ben, thank you for coming on here and talking about all things Orioles. We definitely want to talk this offseason a little bit more about that charitable arm and what you get to do with that, because that's prime offseason content when, you know, we're all just waiting for the World Baseball Classic to start. And uh, I don't expect a free agent frenzy. Uh, There's going to be no delimited line like uh, last off season was. So um, thanks for coming on, talking all things Orioles and uh, how you guys are doing down the stretch here. It is always good to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I really appreciate it. And uh, for all you listening at home, uh, you might have noticed we didn't talk specifics of trades. That's because we don't like looking foolish uh, when we make terrible trade proposals. However, there are a number of people on Reddit and Twitter who are not afraid of that. And uh, Nime and the gang is going to be back in uh, just a minute to break down some of the worst and funniest trade proposals they could find and uh, just laugh at them. So uh, stick around for that right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, I am Nime. Uh, you probably just heard me, or there might have been a segment in between. I'm not sure. Um, uh, joining me for this segment, we're going to talk about some f- fun and silly trades that may or may not, and most likely will not, happen uh, uh, in the next couple of days. As of this recording, which is Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, these players have not been traded. It's very possible that by the time you're listening to this, they have, but maybe they haven't. So um, joining me, uh, as so often happens, Dylan, how's it going? Doing well, just waiting for this uh, exciting Dixon Machado trade. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a ninety like I feel like a ninety five percent chance that the intro was also me and you, Dylan, but we don't know That's yet because we, we're waiting to record it until potentially maybe, trades happen this, this evening. Maybe we'll have a situation where we record this and then we'll actually know who Dixon Machado got traded for by the time we record the part before. 
Yeah. That that is very possible. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Uh, so, so yeah, we're, we're we're very specifically dating this as this is we know Dixon Machado has been traded to the Giants. We do not know who he's been traded for, whether it's a person or cash or just a bag of balls. Nor do we really know who Dixon Machado truly is. <laughs> Nor do we really care. <laughs> um also joining us uh, a good friend of ours, Dylan, very specifically, was like, I want to be on this show when he found out this guy was going to be on. Uh, he goes by the user Federal League MVP, but we're just going to call him Frack. How's it going, Frack? It is going great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being on. We wanted to have Frack on because Frack, basically what happens is, so so we have talked on the podcast, Dylan and I, before about being on a Slack channel together. Um, and essentially what happens is at some point somebody mentions a prospect that nobody's ever heard of and Frack has seen him play seven or eight times. <laughs> that's <laughs> Typically. Typically. So that's, uh, that's why I wanted to have Frack on to talk about these, these silly prospect trades, a lot of which are going to be hopefully fun. I think his expertise is mainly, if anyone's ever stepped foot in the state of Texas, he has a dossier. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty much. Specifically. And, and there's a lot of guys that have stepped foot in the state of Texas. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's a big league. I, I want to start with the first. This isn't a specific trade, but in fact, Phil, uh, uh, who you know, regular on the show, wanted us to to make sure to get this in here, uh, which is a, a tweet from yesterday morning. From this is from an Astros reporter, it says I've heard the Astros and Rays have had trade talks, and some of the players have been discussed include Jose Arquiti, Jose Siri, G Man Choi, Josh Lowe. Choi making three point two million one year control. Lowe was number four prospect for the race 2021. Um, I don't understand why the Astros would be interested in this trade <laughs> in any way. Yeah. I think the Arkady part, like I, I, they have these, all these like young arms. And I think, I guess the mindset here is you don't really need Jose Arkady once the playoffs start. Right, like there's a very, I mean, I guess they used him last year, but it's not like they really wanted to use him probably necessarily. He's just like a guy. He does seem very raisish in the sense that he's like very capable and not a lot else, and they tend to get value out of that. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what the main target would be here. I guess you know you can flip that if you really like one of their, if you really like Josh Lowe, you know that's great. But like it's not like you know G Man is a rental, you know so. And he's like, he's like fine. Like, I like G-Man Choi, but like, he's not like. Yeah, I mean, I think he's an upgrade for them, Um, you know, either at first base or DH, whoever they're putting him. But, uh, you know, like it's it's kind of a strange one because, you know, well, who's 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 actively playing DH for them right now? Because it's not Jordan. Maybe he's, uh, is it not? The Jordan's been playing a lot of left field. I mean, like, you know, I'm not saying that he shouldn't play DH, but he's played a healthy amount of left field. As far as I know. Uh, yeah, fair enough. But yeah, it's 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 interesting to think it's it's we're gonna have a lot of these where it's like you know, trading from depth and stuff. I just don't know if that moves the needle enough for them unless they really like someone like Josh Lowe or like we're gonna we're gonna talk probably about Vidal Bruhan and guys like that later on. You know, someone like that that might there had their prospect power fade a little bit, but could be useful to a winning team still. You would think that a playoff team should not be trading at all from starters because right. you don't really have starters depth if you have if you're in the play if you're going for the playoffs you need everyone on deck and i know hunter brown is killing it 
in Sugar Land. He's really good. I'm sure they're thinking about calling him up for September and thinking, oh, well, we can spare Urquidy or Odorizzi or someone, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense on its face. Yeah. And the Astros don't really have the farm system that they used to anymore, but here's this Jamie Melendez guy who is not on anyone's radar. I had never heard of him. He's 20 years old, and he has a 12 K through 9 in AA. So I guess they think they're more confident with the random starters that they have that they feel like they can get rid of for Kitty. But yeah, like you you mentioned World Series, like, you know, this is a World Series contending team. And, you know, like we, we, I mean, we saw it at the Braves last year. You know, they were, they were basically throwing bullpen games because once they've got past their third guy, you know, they really just didn't have a lot, you know, and obviously starter is a good place to deal from if you're confident. But, if, if you already kind of have all your pieces in place, it does scare me a little bit because mm-hmm. the chances of you losing that guy and then, you know, really needing him later on matters a lot more than like another first baseman or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. For what it's it worth, uh, Jordan has played the last, uh, he's played 16 of the last 18 games at DH. So Okay, or, so the injury stuff is, is probably... Yeah, yeah, I think the injury stuff definitely, but like even even a little bit before the injury, he was mostly DHing. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, I just, but yeah, he's played quite a bit. I, just, I was surprised too. by how much he was playing the field, I think, to begin the season, but it right. seems like the injury stuff has kind of necessitated that. Yeah, since since it's, like mid-June, he's not played a lot in left field. Yeah. But also, it, they're it playing a Diaz a lot in left field, so it's like, all right, what do you, you know? Yeah. Last year, they did say, oh, Jordan hits better when he's out in left field. Like, when he's playing in left field, he's more engaged and he hits better. I mean, he's going to hit well no matter what. So, I don't know. I think that putting him at DH makes a lot more sense than acquiring G-Man and putting him there. Uh, He did hit a lot better at left field last year. 352, 431, 738 versus 251, 315, 456. That is very stark. It's a smaller sample size, but, like, that is pretty significant. (laughs) That's actually shockingly, like, that is is quite stark. 1169 OPS versus 771 OPS. Frack, what do you think the Astros need? Like, it's tough for me to, like, think about them because, like, they have so many dudes that are either entrenched or, you know, like veterans in place and stuff. And obviously they have some places where they could upgrade, but like they're probably not getting a catcher, right? Like they're, they're, they just like throwing out Martin Maldonado every day. Like they, and Corey Lee. Yeah. Corey, Corey Lee is pretty good. More. You know, Pena yeah. is locked down shortstop for them. You know, like they have places like, I guess they could use an outfielder, but like, you know, I, I, it's, it, it's tricky thinking about exactly what they I think really that, do. that is, that is all they could, I mean, use mostly, right. Is, is an outfielder is, you know, because because yeah. Jose Siri is was not good, got sent back down. Michael Brantley is injured and a thousand years old. Like, yeah, Michael Brantley hasn't picked up a bat since June. Uh, exactly. So, <laughs> like, yeah, and it's Myers, McCormick. Well, I mean that mix, they're okay. It's not going to wow them. Myers is good on right. defense. I mean, the rotation yeah. is is good. Their bullpen is fine. It's just it's yeah, a left fielder, center fielder type. Mm-hmm. They're doing a good job of resting. Joey people. Gallo. So I, I honestly don't hate it. I mean, it's not out of question. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about it until just now. But yes. the more I think about it, I mean, like that's that's a dude who like has talent and maybe just needs an adjustment, you know. So I don't know. 
All right, let's talk about some more concrete, silly trades. So a lot of these we pulled from baseballtradevalues.com. Um, uh, I'm sure you've seen baseballtradevalues.com. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard of this site. Um, but very specifically, they have a tool where you can look at trades that have like the most comments. They have an upvote type tool. So we we try to look for the trades that had the most sort of comments and upvotes that more people were interested in looking at on the site. Um, I want to start with some Wilson Contreras trades. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about some Otani and Soto trades. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, um, but I want to start with some of the, uh, some of the lesser guys. Uh, Contreras... The people on baseball trade values seem convinced that Contreras is going to be a guardian. Um, the <laughs> the first one we have, uh, the less fun of the two, uh, is Gabriel Arias, Ernie Clement, Hunter Gaddis, Tommy Mace, and Lenny Torres for Wilson Contreras and Christopher Morel. What um, in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> A lot going on. A lot going on. <laughs> Jesus. You know, Christopher um, Morel is fun. <laughs> yeah, he's a rookie. I would be upset <laughs> if the Cubs got rid of him. I, yeah, I don't really get the point of the Cubs getting rid of him. And yeah, I don't. So the the Guardians make sense in the sense of they get zero production out of their catchers. I get it. But like, isn't Wilson Contreras like the last guy on earth they want? Like, if you think about what they've valued at the catcher position over the last few years and stuff like it feels like they're one of the teams that are like if we lose our framing ability then we're going to be pissed and he's he's the total opposite of everything they've ever had at that position so i i just don't see the fit um yeah and i know i know they have this glut because the rule five draft didn't happen and they have this glut of infielders and so of course it's so appealing to put them into the trade value site and say well cleveland needs this and they have all these pieces but it just it doesn't make sense for Contreras. they did they did try to trade for like lucroy a while back but he was a good receiver yeah he was like yeah like at, at the time he was well known for that ability yeah and right now it's like it's just not like, I mean, but he's, he's on the other hand, he's a rental, right? And like, yeah, I get, I get that. Like, you know, he's not like he's not he's not going to be the long term catcher for the Guardians if they make the trade. I almost think they like play him at like DH if they like get sure. him right. I almost think he's like their third or fourth best hitter, and then they just <laughs> play Austin Hedges. You know what I mean? It's just kind of. I mean, yeah, Contreras. I, Contreras played some like outfield, right? Like, yeah. You but can, like, you do you can, give you can up stick a, him in left or right or whatever and move whoever. Like, yeah, I, I don't. Do you give uh, up an no Arias for good? that? I don't know. Yeah, it does. Uh, I, just, I other, just don't like the team fit. The other trade is a three-team trade on here, which is Contreras and Hap. For uh, the Cubs get Jones, Lavastida, La McGarry, and Nikazi and Rojas. Phillies get Freeman and Robertson. Oh. <laughs> I love that the Phillies are in this trade. <laughs> what did, no what did the Phillies reason. give up? <laughs> That's a great question. Hold on, I, 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 I don't have the trade pulled up anymore. The, the one of these, one of these random so names. Yeah, um, they're not the most easy to parse out when it's just like names in a row. Um, so Contreras would be going to Cleveland. Contreras and Hap both going to Cleveland. Still Cleveland. I get. I actually like Hap to Cleveland a lot. 
Um, I think he makes a lot of sense for them. I think they could use an outfielder for sure, or just a bat. And I don't, Hap's going to be maybe more expensive, but Cleveland just, you know, Cleveland and the Rays just have depth and depth and depth they can trade from and make solid moves without destroying themselves, you know? So I definitely like the Hap fit. I just don't know. Like I said, Contreras, kind of iffy. Remain iffy. I I do think if Cleveland's looking for a catcher, Murphy makes more sense. Yeah. Because of the whole receiving thing and because of all the control and because they have guys that the A system needs. Yeah. Bat-to-ball types, hitters in general. But for Contreras, I don't think it matches up well. Uh, the Phillies, by the way, were giving up Cliff uh, Griff McGarry. Oh, okay, and I missed that, that name. Are they giving up anybody else? They give up Griff <laughs> McGarry. They, you're telling me they give up Griff McGarry for David for uh, Robbins Robertson, and that's it. And Freeman? No, <laughs> they're not doing that. <laughs> I honestly not. just threw it because it's like a silly like, what is what? Why yeah. are the Phillies in this trade? What's even? The, oh, and Johan Rojas. They're also yeah. giving up. Yeah, like uh, I, Tyler Freeman is like the exact type of prospect that people are like, oh yeah, he's a, you know, hit tool shortstop. And then he doesn't really hit very well for a year or two. And people are like, this guy actually sucks. <laughs> so. There's also, for, for what it's worth, I, I, uh, cause I clicked on Griff McGarry's name on baseball trade values. We didn't put this in the rundown, but Red Sox get Hans Cruz, Griff McGarry, Logan O'Hop and Gene Segura for Xander Bogarts and Jaron Duran. What in the world? <laughs> <laughs> this site's fun, guys. This site's so much fun. This has this has five thumbs down on both sides and no thumbs up. It, that that means send it. <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, let's move on a little to um, uh, let's talk about the Red Sox one, right? Brewers get Rafael Devers. Red Sox get Joey Weimer, Russell Smith, Taylor Floyd, and Luis Urias. This is from MLB.com, by the way. Yeah, this is this was the trades that should happen but won't so they're 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 admitting that these are a little ridiculous but yeah yeah. i liked this one i I, you know i don't know you know i just the red Sox are in such a bad place but i don't see them trading devers i think he's a likely extension guy over the offseason for them but he is like the best guy that could be available if the red Sox weren't stubborn you know what i mean like He's a really fun guy, and he he solves like every problem the Brewers have, yeah. right? <laughs> like yeah, yeah. straight up. Like, unfortunately, that, that's, that's pretty much exactly what Sarah Lang said uh, in the article. Is like it's hard to see the Red Sox trading Devers because <laughs> yeah. they should extend him. <laughs> but like, if the Brewers need anything in the world, it's Rafael Devers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he he is a perfect, flawless fit, and Luis Arias is a really good player. You know, he's a little he's a little more defense maybe first than like the, you know, heavy bat that Devers has. But, you know, you could definitely see a world where the Brewers get uh, the Brewers get Devers and, you know, can possibly extend him maybe. Um, And that that's a really fun return, you know, for them. Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't seem likely. The other the other one from this article that we put in the rundown here was uh, Cardinals get Pablo Lopez. Marlins get Brian Reynolds, and the Pirates get Matthew Libertor, Joshua Baez, and Jordan McCants. Uh, I don't think the Cardinals are in any way trading two of their top ten prospects <laughs> within the division. <laughs> like, they could make that trade for something that doesn't, like, 
if the Marlins got those prospects and the Cardinals somehow get Brian Reynolds, that might yeah. happen. But like otherwise, it's not happening. The that's just too many NL teams back <laughs> like back trading. Yeah, I, I, conceptually, I love Reynolds for Lopez. I just don't think the Cardinals are the middle team here. <laughs> you know, I think yeah, I think there is something there. I just think. That's there true. I, I, I think, I think that could team. happen with a different middle team. Yeah. yeah, like the Dodgers, something like that. Yeah, because the the Pirates could really use either prospects or pitchers. The Marlins desperately need anything hitters, you know. And then a third team could either pr- provide prospects, provide more pitching, something. I mean, I I I think you could do the trade even with the two teams and not have a third team. It's just I don't know. I just don't think the Pirates get there. You know, I think yeah. when you mm-hmm. have a pitcher and a hitter that are, I think, pretty similar. If you just think of the total value, you're just going to value the hitter more because he's a hitter. You know? well, and yeah, mm-hmm. and and the asking price is apparently pretty high on Reynolds too, which makes right. sense. But like, he, it's pretty he's high, exhibited. and also he's not had a great year this year. Yeah, <laughs> like so it probably should have moved a really last year. Trade guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, th- I really th- I think I mean the, the, you know, you you can't predict that necessarily if you're the Pirates, but like maybe he's a guy that should have moved in the off season. <laughs> Right, like yeah. coming off his best year, as opposed to like hoping he continued to have another really good year and then trading him at the trade deadline. Like I get it, right? And I've said this before, where like I think, I think a guy has more value at the deadline because teams are more willing to give up more value at the deadline than they are in the off season. But if if you have a guy like Brian Reynolds who shows up for a year, you kind of are 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 banking on him being good again, and maybe that doesn't happen. Yeah, I think they definitely. I'm sure they definitely talked about him in the offseason because they made the Stallings trade. Those two teams did. Yeah. Hopefully they asked about him. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe they were still thinking they could get Marte as a free agent, so it wasn't mm-hmm. that serious. But maybe it was something they talked about in the offseason, and it just didn't happen because the Pirates want Reynolds, but they also want to suck for the next few years. I, I mean, it also could have been one of those things where, like, if there had been a full offseason instead of a lockout, there might have been a trade made, and they just, like— didn't have enough time to figure all that stuff out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to some uh, some of the ones that uh, that I know Frack is going to be interested in. Uh, <laughs> Frack, by the way, is an A's fan, so you will we will talk about some Frankie Montas trades. Uh, the first one we got here, another Guardians one, uh, and this one does include Sean Murphy, Frankie Montas, and Sean Murphy for Ethan Hawk. Ethan, sorry, Hankins, not Hawkins. Uh, <laughs> Bo Naylor, Hawk. Doug Nicasi. George Valera and Gavin Williams. Can't believe they're getting Ethan Hawke out of this. That's great. He, he's great. Yeah. Now listen, Moon Knight and then to the Guardian or to the A's. Great. It's fantastic. <laughs> I uh, when I heard this, I thought, why are the A's getting another catcher? Yeah. I think they've just spent most of the last several months acquiring as many catchers as possible, and to get Bo Naylor back, uh, I was immediately drawn in to Williams, though, as a guy who the A's would love. I think he's good. I would be very excited to get him, but then those other names, to trade Montes and Murphy in one deal and not get a guy, a guy who everyone knows is at least going to be good, that's I think a lot of risk. I think George Valera could be that guy. You know, I he's been... It's tough when he's like... We know these guys since they're like 16, 17, you know, and it feels like it takes forever, right? It's been like five, mm-hmm. six years for Valera, and but he is yeah, but like a good player. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's been six years, but he's 21. Um, but he's really, he's really good, and 
he's probably a corner bat or whatever, but like, you know, I, I just don't, the problem with the A's is they just don't have a lot of guys you can just count on. And I think he might be closer to that. He's not locked in maybe, but you know, him and Williams together are really good. Um, I just, I wonder what the value for Montas and Murphy maybe is separately. If it, you know, works better that way. I think that maybe that's exactly. the concern for the A's. I also think that Murphy is more of a off season guy. He's not a guy that anyone yeah. desperately needs at the deadline. Yeah. I think I think I mean, you he's... build around your pitching staff and then you have Murphy usher in the new year with them and you know Yeah. That, that, yeah, makes, that makes sense. sense. The uh the other trade we have is a Montas Murphy trade as well. Honestly, there's not a lot of there weren't a lot of fun Montas trades without Murphy in them. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean like Montas is good, but like he doesn't have like a ton of value because he's a rental. Like he's like, all right, maybe yeah. like a, a reasonable trade is gonna be made with Montas. Nobody's really like tossing crazy stuff out for Montas. The yeah. other one is the Rays get Montas and Murphy for Vidal Brujan, Josh Lowe, Ford Proctor, Drew Rasmussen, and Carson Williams. So whatever and, happens, and the, the A's are getting a Williams. This one included Murphy <laughs> as well? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, and We talked about this before. Ras- yeah, go ahead. Rasmussen is an A's guy. And yeah. Ford Proctor is just a pesky catcher second baseman weird he's not going to be on anyone's radar which means that he's even more likely going to be on the a's or the race which is where <laughs> he is now i don't hate the trade i do know that i could see the rays getting murphy or montas i don't think at the same time but yeah they'll definitely go for one of those guys but again it's still you're not getting a guy and i don't know if bruhan is gonna wind up going close to his potential i don't know yeah i think one thing we discussed with the a's leading up to this is the a's have very clearly valued depth and quantity over quality you know they'd much rather have four guys they believe in rather than one guy who's like significant you know a household name um and this is the kind of trade that's like you're buying a little low on bruhan and low you know and getting some other guys that are really interesting again for me, I probably want someone that has more pedigree if you're giving up the two best players in your team, right? You need like, I, I want to have one blue chip guy that I'm like, okay, this is a top 50 prospect that we can pair with, you know, Soderstrom and, you know, call it a day. But it does feel A's-ish and I think that might matter yes. in this context. I I think that Montes would definitely be a bulk trade guy. I don't think Murphy is, maybe yeah. because he has so much value, but Montes, Loriano, most of the other pieces, you're going to see the return inevitably for these guys and say, who are half of them? And yeah. the A's will still find a way to turn at least one of them into an all-star, yeah. and it's the one you'll least expect. <laughs> it's very A's of them. Yeah. Um, let's let's uh, keep talking about Vidal Bruhan. When I read this one out when we were doing prep, uh, both of you just like, went silent for a moment. We're like, I don't, it's not the worst thing in the world, uh, which is Carlos Rodon for Vidal Brujan, raised, raised in Giants, just straight up Carlos Rodon for straight Vidal up. Brujan. And so this is working under the assumption that Rodon is now a rental, like just lock him down as a rental. There is no chance he is, you know, exercising that second um, year. Yeah, you know he's I mean? he's he's been too good and and healthy enough 
that yeah. it makes sense for him to, you know, be like, cool, barring, I'll go test him the market again. Elbow injury. Another injury, injury. yeah. Between, um, but, like, that's between now and Monday, right? Like, yeah. or Tuesday or whatever. Like, And, you know, I think Bruhan is just one of these guys that makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. Just because, like, it feels like he should have been in the majors for the last two years. And, obviously, he has been kind of around, but, like, it feels like he needs to go to a team where he can just play like second base or whatever, like or center field every single day and just like kind of let it ride and he'll figure it out. And cause people have loved him for a long time. I've loved him for a long time as a prospect. Like he feels like kind of like a faster, like I don't think he's as good as Ozzy Albies, but maybe a similar type of player, but like more speed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and he's got that like that classic raise positional flexibility. <laughs> yeah. He like, can kind of play stick everywhere. Him anywhere. Yeah. But in you know the Giants kind of you know the Giants are now part of this system now where they get a tons of value out of guys like that and I, I just think Rodone's value is going to be really hampered by that contract and you know I think it, I think it just might make sense for them to try to get someone like that and um, yeah I, I, it's just it's tricky but I, I don't mind it for. Bruhan, I think it was his winter ball season this year that really started to sound the alarm bells yeah. because before the pandemic he was 21 years old in Montgomery and hitting really well but then yeah. I think it was this winter ball season where he just really didn't look like he was hitting against his peers yeah. when he is 20 he's 24 now so still young yeah. but definitely a change of scenery guy as you've said yeah i mean, I mean the like crushing triple a this year like it's not like yeah. you know he's like he's hitting in triple a like he should so i think yeah. it's like the, yeah, the, only... the, the the bulls lineup last year had him and wander at the top and he had they said two switch hitters that just crushed everyone you know and yeah. vidal came up as a shortstop too so you thought about this guy that was basically keeping up with the best prospect in baseball at like a similar position and versatility. And it's like, you dream on that. It's just, you know, I don't know. I think he's a major leaguer. It's just going to take the right team to capitalize on it. And the giants might be that team. Um, and Rodon pairing with McClanahan, like that's insane, you know? Ooh. But you know they, that's the, how you the Giants just traded for Dixon Machado. So do they really have a need for Vidal Bruhan? You know, like they, <laughs> they already got their guy. They got their guy. You're right. Uh, the other uh, another Giants raise uh, Rodon trade. Uh, this one is is much much sillier. Uh, this is Carlos Rodon and Austin Slater for Nick Bitsko, Xavier Edwards, Austin Vernon, and Carson Williams. Uh. <laughs> That's really all we need, right? Frack, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm re- I would be really struggling. I mean, Edwards is a lot younger than I thought because when I originally heard his name, I thought, oh, he's he should be already in the big leagues by now. He's only 22, and he's already in Durham, only striking out 17% of the time. But I don't know. If you're giving up him and Rodon with a, a package around, Edwards makes a little bit more sense, but throwing in Slater and then all those other guys, I don't know. That's just it, having fun by throwing in a bunch of names. Yeah, it feels more like a trade designed for this website where it's just like, oh, I can add him for an extra three <laughs> points of imaginary value. You know what I mean? It's right. like the core names involved. I just don't, I don't think it makes sense for either side that much. Like I get it, 
but I don't know. Um, all right, the the next couple uh, do involve players who have been discussed at the deadline, but uh, for, for these, we put in prospects who we think are going to get moved and see where they might get moved, which gives us a little bit more of, of fun here. So the, the uh, first one here is, is the Dodgers are receiving Ian Happ and Patrick Wisdom in exchange for Michael Bush, Landon Knack, and James Altman. James Altman, who, by the way, just hit his first home run in his first at-bat. All right. More like James Home Runman. <laughs> anyway. He needs to be a pitcher. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, so happen wisdom for Bush, Knack, and Outman. Which just doesn't make sense for the Dodgers, for the Dodgers. to have those two yeah. Cubs. Uh, yeah. But Knack, I mean, I was making sure. Knack's in double A now. He's 24. He really looks good. And I think if you're the Dodgers, you would so much rather have Knack in two years than those guys on your team right now. Because you can just call up Vargas. And I think That's he true. fills that need of utility. <laughs> That's a really good point. Utility who might hit league average a little above. And he's a guy you want on your team long term and happen wisdom or out of your system in three years. Yeah, I mean, Wisdom is like also 31 years old or whatever. Like he was like a young rookie. Like Wisdom, Wisdom was a Cardinals prospect for like seven years, something like that. Yeah. So like he's, you know, yeah. he's he's fine. Like I, I, I still don't even think he's for real. I think he's just like just benefiting from, from you know, being the right age to hit baseballs a little bit well. Yeah, I mean, he hits the crap out of the ball. I just, I don't think it's a very like Dodgers guy. You know, no. I, I just don't. It doesn't fit the type to them for me. Like, unless they think there's something. He's like, he's else like, a, he's there, like a 2021 you know? Giants guy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, the Giants. Yeah, more more in their wheelhouse. But yeah, I I I liked the Ian Happ thing because I think you can just throw them around different places where you need them. But again, like you kind of like you said, Frack. Like, like, do they really need a bat that much that they're gonna like overpay for one? Probably not. You know what I mean? I think they'd rather just try Michael Bush, you know, right? Mm-hmm. So Here's the yeah. question. Do the Dodgers need a pitcher? Because the other one we have here is uh, the Dodgers receiving Shane Bieber in exchange for Michael Bush and Diego Cartaya. That one's a lot more fun to me. And I, I don't <laughs> I don't know. So Diego, we're going to talk about Diego more. Um, Diego is a catcher, right? Like a real catcher that hits the piss out of the ball <laughs> like you know he is a like really really good prospect um i don't think catchers are ever going to be ranked you know him and alvarez are really ra- highly ranked but they're rarely going to be the number one prospect but they kind of are in that conversation you know because of how good they are um at hitting at that position um but it's complicated with the soto thing because you know Kyra ruiz exists and whatever but in this situation, the Guardians can get rid of a guy that they don't want to pay. You know, they have they churn out pitchers constantly. Like they keep the engine moving that they are known for moving and they get back like you know, like the ideal guy, like whereas Wilson Contreras is kind of like bat first catcher they really probably don't want. Like this is now like an extreme upgrade for them long-term at a position they really value. So, and, and the Dodgers just get a great pitcher, you know? So I, this one is like not going to happen, but it feels like something that would work. I think. 
I think the Dodgers don't need Bieber. I mean, they're they're good enough as they are. I would think that the one thing, if they don't want to give up the assets that they have, that they can taunt over everyone else, I would think as an A's fan, they would be looking after Sam Ball, not a big guy. He's not on anyone's radar. He has very good numbers uh, as a lefty out of the bullpen, which uh, Greater All's injured. Gonzalez is injured. A lot of their lefties yeah. are injured, but that's all they need. It's just a reliever to add to their team, but they do have the assets to wow some teams, and yeah. Bieber would be a ton of fun. Yeah, I think that's the thing is, how are they are they big game hunting if it's not Otani or Soto, or are they just like gonna say we're just gonna make moves on the fringes? It doesn't really matter. Like they're they've won their division already. You know, like yeah. it's like, yep. right. I mean, you know, it would take a miracle by the Padres basically to catch up. Like, it's their team is so good. And, but the only thing I'll say is that Kershaw is obviously like, you always have to be mindful of his health, right? Tony Gonsolin's had a great season, but is not a two ERA pitcher. Like, this is a guy they barely wanted to start in the playoffs for a couple years in a row, you know? Um, Dustin May is making his way back. He's probably going to be in the bullpen unless he's just, you know, a God, which is possible. Um, Bueller is not going to be back for a long time. You know, I, I think, I think there's space for a pitcher there. Um, cause I think it's a little bit harrowing if they lose one of these guys. I think that's how you got to kind of think of it when you're a team in that kind of luxurious, luxurious position. Um, it's like, oh, well, what if we lost Kershaw for a little while? We could have someone else, you know? So um, I thought they were a Luis Castillo team before he got dealt um, for a lot, you know, obviously. But um, I could see it. I just – I don't think Shane Bieber is realistically getting traded. I just kind of like the idea of both of those teams, yes. what they're getting. The Dodgers don't – it won't happen because the Dodgers don't need to give up prospects for real talent. They can just go and throw money in the offseason at real talent and get them anyway. So they don't need to give up Knack or whoever else you really like in the Dodger system, and there is a ton to like. Yeah. So I don't see them making a big move, but you're right. Their starting pitching could be very fragile in an, in an instant. That being said, there is a notable trade target that might answer that for them, but <laughs> we'll get to that later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's well let's talk about the the last weird one we we put in uh which is which is the Marlins needing to uh maybe move a prospect away. Um that is the Marlins receiving Brian Bello and Alex Verdugo. The Red Sox are getting back Pablo Lopez and Khalil Watson. Um, if you, uh, if you missed the Khalil Watson stuff, I don't think we talked about it on the podcast. Uh, Khalil Watson, like three weeks ago or whatever, mimed shooting a shotgun at an umpire and then got called up to AAA so he could get coached by AAA players, but not play. Very weird. It's very weird. Basically how to anyway. not be like an a-hole. <laughs> yeah. 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 Trying to, trying to, trying to teach Khalil. Ryan LaVarnway could take Khalil Watson under his wing, I think was, was maybe the yeah. idea. Um, but, uh, what do you, what do we think of this trade? Brian Bello and Alex Verdugo for Pablo Lopez and Khalil Watson. If this was like a month ago, I'd like it a lot more. But now that the Red Sox are like in like a the most horrible spiral we've ever seen, <laughs> like I don't think <laughs> I don't think Pablo Lopez is saving them. Like if this was a month ago, you're thinking, okay, 
the Marlins are still kind of in the middle of the wild card race, or they could be, you know, and they clearly just need hitters. And Verdugo is a really talented outfielder who's kind of underperformed this year, but I think people like. Um, I think culturally makes a lot of sense there, you know, with that team and, you know, fit position wise. Paulo Lopez is a really good pitcher that the Red Sox desperately need for a year, well, I think like probably a year and a half, two and a half years. Um, but now, and, and Khalil Watson, the, the reason why this we looked for this is because Khalil Watson is just like, you know, former top five-ish talent guy that dropped a little bit in last year's draft, or it was last year, right? And he's like, this is very recent he was drafted. Um, that clearly so. is not going to last there. Like that is that just seems like we just got to move on, you know, ASAP and see what else we can get for him because this isn't going to work. It just seems like that is obvious to me. I don't know how many times that really happens. I don't know what the parallel is here, but I think we see it sometimes in like NFL, you know, where it's just like this guy just, he has obvious talent. It's just not happening here. Um, you know, and someone could get something there and the Marlins could get a pitcher a you know, pitching prospect and Verdugo out of it, but it's a little tricky now that both teams are kind of like sucky. <laughs> I I think that it's if if Xander is leaving in the off season, it would make sense for the Red Sox to look for a shortstop of that age. Probably not Watson, but <laughs> I really want I really want Verdugo to go to a team that will let him pitch because I know he <laughs> keeps saying get me on the mound and maybe no maybe there's no team who says yeah sure go out there and throw 98 go be your own Otani like let's see but I just want to see that happen I dreamed so on that get him with wherever he needs to be Angelton Simmons for so long and then <laughs> he pitches like this year and throws 40 miles an hour I swear I've never been more mad watching a position player pitch. <laughs> like, I watch this dude fire 95 every single day as a Brave from the shortstop position. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, could you just imagine him being a pitcher? And then the Cubs tell him to lob it in. It's like, oh, like, ugh. It's, it's like, well, you know, what are you, so what are you doing at that point? Like, it's like, you're, are you really protecting Andrelton Simmons from getting hurt right. at age, like, 34 and yeah. he has no value on your roster? Like, come on, let him man. throw. Like, I, what happened to fan service? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Verdugo is a really, I think Verdugo is a player that he's, he's tricky because he's youngish, not too super young. He's got control, not a ton of control. Um, Not a great year to trade him because he's not hitting that well. But like, if you think of like the checklist of things a team like the Braves need, where it's just like reliability in the outfield has shown that he has upside hitting, like he's the exact kind of guy, right? In that kind of circumstance, and you know the Marlins obviously need anyone that fits that kind of profile. So um, he's a really interesting player, and I think he would be a valuable asset. I just don't know if the Red Sox are going to trade him because it's kind of his middling year with the bat right now. Mm-hmm. And if the Red Sox won't trade Devers, and they just told Xander they won't trade him, yeah, are they going to trade anyone? I just. I think that maybe JD. Yeah, I think anything for them is money saving or rentals. And I just think I think the Red Sox are going to be scared of doing the Mookie Betts thing again, you know, and I think they're going to mm-hmm. just hang on to the guys that they really love. At I least hope for now. So. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to now talk about what I think we're all really here for 
which are uh, the Otani and Soto rumors. Let's go. Uh, not, again, not rumors, but like, yeah, these these Otani and Soto uh, uh, packages. I'm going to start with Otani because Otani really could go anywhere. <laughs> we don't like, <laughs> we've heard so little on this besides like Dodgers are interested. Like it's, there's like so much that could happen. Whereas we kind of know, you know, with Soto at this point, at least what we've heard, uh, you know, surprise team could come in, but with Soto, what we've heard so far is it's, it's Cardinals, it's Dodgers or it's Padres. Yeah. Um, who knows of a fourth team? And like, it was also Mariners until Mariners traded for Luis Castillo. But um, yeah, who knows if a fourth team pops in, but uh, let's talk about some Otani rumors. The first one that we have here, the angels received Jason Dominguez, Oswald Peraza, Everson Pereira and Anthony Volpe, the Yankees get Shohei Otani. Man. And that's one where if a Yankees fan made this, you're just throwing in all the names you can think of yeah. and saying, yeah, this will be enough for Otani, the generational player. Yeah, you just, I'll just throw in all these names. The website says it's fine. It's got to happen. <laughs> it's a lot of names. It's a lot of names. Check the website. <laughs> Jason Dominguez could be website. good. You know, Jason Dominguez, he's like, he's a dude who's been like a guy forever. That's true. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think the issue, if, and these guys in the back, you know, Volpe is really good. Braz is really good. A lot of these guys kind of peaked last year, though. And I, I, with the Soto thing, I think Soto and Otani, I think the thing is going to be like, can you give up these guys for just AAA players and under, you know what I mean? Like, and the Yankees don't really have a single guy on their roster other than Glaber. That's like a young position player that's worth trading, but he's also not controllable for more than, you know? So it's like, they're a really awkward trade fit. If a team really wants like, Hey, give us a player that we can put in our rotation or play at shortstop right now that we can show fans that we're trying and that, you know, we Mm -hmm. really value, you know, they just don't have a guy like that. And I wonder if, Hey, take all these players that we haven't even had to try playing yet. Even if they're really fun, you know, is that enough to get Shohei Atani? You know, I don't know. Exactly. That's why I think that I understand why the Yankees are going for Montes because they can spare a bulk package yeah. and still get a pitcher who at times has one of the best pitches in baseball. And then the Yankees get a year and a half of him instead of Otani. But inevitably when Otani is a free agent, the Yankees will be backing up the dump truck full of money. Right. I, yeah. Like, and I think they, they better. Yeah. I think, I think the f- more, the why Otani trades are more fun or maybe accessible for a lot of different teams is that, with Soto, I feel like we pretty much know exactly the formula here. Like, I think fans are in the know enough about how these trades function of like, okay, Soto's going to get a gigantic trade package based on X, Y, and Z, and a team is either going to have to do the math of do we want him for two and a half years or do we want to extend him for $450 million, right? We know almost exactly what these teams are thinking and trying to do. With Atani, it's like so like you could think of any possibility for Otani and it's probably valid, you know, where a team is like looking at it and it's like, we just don't think Otani is worth trading a lot for because he could be done after a year or two, or we think Otani is going to be the best player in baseball for 10 years. And we will give up literally anything to get a bite at the apple, either short term or long term, you know, mm-hmm. and especially like think of the money, like, <laughs> like just think of asses and seats. Like, 
you know, yeah. like no player has that kind of pull and influence in Otani right now. And, you know, uh, it's him and John. And, 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 and not, only, not only the money that you're putting in seats, but also like, you know, any team that acquires Otani immediately has all their games broadcast in all of Japan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, That's like, which is like, the, you know, the thing that happened with HRL before and now A's, uh, Angels games are all broadcast in Japan. Like you have all that stuff. Like you, you, you are opening your, an entire market up to your team now. Yeah. So I think yeah. there's just a, every team should have a Shohei Otani plan in place. I just don't know if teams like the Yankees that don't have like young MLB talent necessarily. It's an older team that is great, but you know, like I said, lacks maybe the obvious guy that the Angels could you know say, hey, at least we got X playing with Mike Trout, you know, and mm-hmm. um, so that's where I struggle a little bit with them. The one good thing <laughs> about these trades is the Angels pretty much need. Like, they have a lot of positional needs yeah. <laughs> in their system. I mean, I know they did that thing. That's the thing, right? You, you, can, you can project out anything to the Angels trade because the Angels need everybody. Yeah. Like, they did the in the 2020 draft, I believe, where they went all pitchers because they've just had, I mean, because we know I think it was what last they year. do to pitchers. I think it was last year. It was, like, all college pitchers. Probably. Yeah. Yes. 2020 or 21. And I'm looking at their double-A, I mean, their their double a team is the rocket city trash pandas just had to plug that in there they aren't there aren't that many spectacular pitchers who've been in there and of course detmers had that problem in triple a where he had to go have the triple a pitching coach fix him and the big league guy wouldn't like insinuating that he didn't (laughs) that just blows my mind still i don't i don't know don't even know where to begin so the angels need everything and it would make a lot of sense for them to trade Otani, but how do you trade Otani? How do you justify it if you're the Angels? And and by the way, for us, where the, these Otani trades, like like we don't know if the Angels are definitely trading Otani. Mike Trout apparently is going to be swinging, like us hoping to be swinging a bat by the end of the week, which completely like that changes everything for the right. Angels. If like if Trout is, you know, like no, he's, he's not healthy, healthy. Like he's still like Mike Trout has, you know, at this point, I think is like an injury concern, but like. He went for a week ago. It was like, is Mike Trout gonna gonna play really at all very much? But, to I don't know. Maybe you keep him around. But the problem is like you I, still forecast it out, and it's like okay, this is a lost year, right? Yeah, it's fine. That bad stuff happened. But like you think next year, like let's assume Mike Trout's at least relatively healthy. Otani's still great. But like, what are you doing? Like you get Rendon back. Your your rotation, I guess, is fine. Your bullpen is still kind of a disaster, and you have like the worst pieces around those two hitters, two or three hitters in baseball. Like, this is a triple A lineup around two of the best players we've ever seen, and it should be easy to build this stuff. But they failed it for like eight straight years now. So I just you have to take that into account when thinking about Otani and the limited years he has left. Like. Unless unless you have a plan to pay him, I I think right. it's just you know it's really yeah no tricky. obviously the, the plan has to be that they ha- that they want to pay him they want to extend him this off season like I think yeah. those that's that's the option right either either they're trading him soon or they're extending him soon. And, uh, let's talk about some of the other trades yeah. though. Yeah. Um, uh, the <laughs> this one is from an SB Nation comment. 
uh, where I thought I was going to find a gold mine and I did not, but I did find this. It says, if I was the Dodgers, I would offer Bellinger, May, Gonsolin, Cartaya, and Miller for Otani. <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> it's so good. Like, I am glad I found this. Like, I didn't find a gold mine, but I did find yeah. a chunk of gold. <laughs> Bellinger being a Just- part of it is so hilarious. I love the comment also is like, like, um, it says here are my regions. The angels are probably not even thinking about trading him, getting him to play ball. You have to have Godfather offer. This is a Godfather offer in their mind. Right. Um, and it says, uh, you can tell the media you got back an MVP in Bellinger. I know he hasn't been great the last two years, but what if they can turn him around? Nobody beats that package. I love that. <laughs> Say, saying he hasn't been great is a tremendous <laughs> understatement. Just, and I, I, I'm just picturing an outfield of Bellinger, Trout, and Marsh. Marsh and Bellinger giving off similar vibes, and mm-hmm. Mike Trout at any given moment breaking his back. <laughs> just, there you go. That's what you want to I see. I mean, but, okay, so the Bellinger uh, no, part they, they, is They really also goofy. close the comment with, it's a no-brainer, and I think the Angels could stomach trading Otani to the Crosstown team with a historic haul like this one. I, I honestly think that's the best. That, that includes Cartaya, right? It does include Cartaya. Cart- Cartaya, yeah. May. Bellinger, May, Gonsolin, Cartaya, and Miller. So three major leaguers. I think you maybe want to get Vargas. Out. Like, I think the Bellinger part is just like, Bellinger is a, probably a non-tender at the end of the season, as much as I love Cody Bellinger. Um, but that is a really sick package, man. Like, that's really good. I think you maybe replace one of the pitchers with another bat, because um, that's clearly what the Angels need more at this point. But... Um, Shocking, by the way. That's a shocking sentence. That the Angels need a bat more than the pitcher. I know, but it's true. Like, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying that's like, like the last like a new sentence this year. I know, uh, but like, you know, Bobby Miller, love Bobby Miller, feels very Walker Bueller ish. Uh, we talked about Cartaya earlier, and whereas a team like Washington would be like, we already have Ruiz, like we can't do a lot with Cartaya. The Angels. Hell yeah, they'd take Diego Cartaya. You know what I mean? And then... Cartaya was... I just want to jump in yeah. here and say, Cartaya was seven years old when Kurt Suzuki made his debut. <laughs> and Cartaya is in single A, and I think it could hit better than Suzuki right now. Yeah, I think you could start every single person there, and they'd be better than like almost every single player on the current Angels. Um and then Dustin May, I think, is like the great X factor, right? Because apparently he's like, you know, throwing full bullpens, throwing 99 mile an hour sinkers again. And if he's doing that to the degree he was last year, where he's actually throwing the slider for like strikeouts and stuff, it's like this dude is like a secret weapon waiting to happen. And it's something the Dodgers could say, like, listen, man, we're only giving him up because he was hurt, you know? So, and also because we're getting back Shohei Otani. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you know, the only reason he's available to you is because of this and this. Otherwise, this guy would never become available. So I think that is fairly unbeatable. I also don't think the Dodgers will do it. But um, it's really – it. I think it has most of the things that you're kind of looking in the checkbox, right? I mentioned the Yankees don't have major league talent. You're giving at least three dudes that could play in the majors this second. You know, in, a, in some version of that trade. So, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think I think a Dodgers Otani trade is definitely within reason. I don't think Cody Bellinger's part of it, but I think yeah, uh, Bellinger seems a little much. <laughs> I do think Hopef- I do think it's it's a yeah. That's yeah. Hopefully, the Dodgers are thinking we'll just get him in free agency and we can keep Dustin May. 
surely that's I mean, I, yeah Dustin, if i close i think dustin's the guy that they don't want to trade I, just, I also don't think anybody else trades for him without the intent to extend him right so like do the daughter to get him in free agency or or do they think no we should probably trade for him to extend yeah but i, I, I just don't know, know what, what does otani get i just don't know the last one was uh on mlb network um, yes this is the best <laughs> dylan one. very much wanted to include this one it is uh shohei otani to the braves for kyle oh. muller kyle wright Braden shoemake and michael harris Michael Harris. So I, I wanted this one to be included because I thought it was funny. You know, I I am I'm a Braves fan, but I don't necessarily connect with a lot of like the traditional Southern Braves fans, and a lot of them were in the Twitter comments saying like we can't give up Michael Harris and Kyle Wright and all this stuff. And it's like yes, I understand. Like Michael Harris, you're getting six plus years of. He's amazing. He's really fun. He's the Georgia guy. Like. He's he's built in a lab to be loved by Braves fans. I think you know just everything he does. Um, but man, what I, I I would give up just a stupid amount of things to see Shohei Otani in a Braves uniform. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he solves so much for them. I think the Braves would have to figure out what to do with Ozuna because I don't think you can have Ozuna on the same team as Otani because of the DH factor. You know, but. Um, that you know that's not really a part of this i think you should just do whatever it takes to get Shohei Atani. like i would give out spencer strider too you know and i understand kyle wright has um a lot of value this year kyle wright's been like secretly really really good you know um i think he leads the national league and wins you know i know that's not like a major thing but like a 2.9 era from a guy that basically looked broken for like three straight years um that's also another reason why you might want to get rid of him so I, I would love this. Uh, the there's there's no way the Angels would do that though. As, let, as fun as Michael Harris is, just let just you know. I mean, you could. That's all we want. <laughs> like, That's all we want. Uh, but yeah, Showing Michael the Harris would be so sick. Super fun, but it's not happening. <laughs> See, at least at least as an Ace fan, I hold no delusions about getting up on There's no, he's not interested, so I don't even have to get my hopes up, but. I think he does. Would do you think he would prefer a West Coast team to extend Probably. him? Probably, because like, then if that's the case, then I think I think the Japanese players have definitely just had a general affinity for one the West Coast teams or the Yankees, right? Because of like right. history, right? Like we mm-hmm. know we now we have proof of how these players are treated and loved and et cetera in places like that compared to you know. Like we don't have a Atlanta does not have like a deep history of like, you know, like Asian ball players, like what, is it, what, Kitchen, I, what I will say is this, if you are, if you are so, if, if you are uh, Shohei Otani's agent and you're listening, nobody in Cardinals nation ever didn't love so Taguchi. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, and someone else, I mean, until someone else got bad and then it was like, you know, any bad player gets treated poorly but uh so taguchi still in all our hearts um i did read a tweet that was like cardinals are front runners i think it was from like a fake news account but i was like don't don't do this to me i can't yeah. i can't have like <laughs> i can't i can't have disappointment for both shohei and juan soto coming out of yeah. today um but let's talk about final, juan soto <laughs> well the final thing i was gonna say about the braves just as the braves person like they're in they're in a weird position because they're kind of the flip side of the Yankees where they have almost no talent in the minors, 
but they have two of the most notable rookies in baseball this year. So it's like they really do yeah. have the ammo to do a lot. It's just the problem is one, Soto is probably blocked because it's in the team, you know, or in the division. And two, you know, these are like they're really helpful <laughs> players to have. Like you don't give up these players unless you're getting something catastrophic back. Um, and Otani just might be so huge that it's just not, there's just not a natural fit. So it's just, um, I think the Braves just probably ride it out and get someone small, but it's fun to dream on what they could get back, which is why I, I like the trade. Uh, let's talk about some Soto trades. So the, the first one we're going to talk about is the one that's definitely Never going to happen. Uh, Rays <laughs> <laughs> receive Juan Soto in exchange for Randy Rosarena, Todd Bradley, Vidal Bruhan, and Isaac Paredes. Just, it's just fun. It's just fun. <laughs> I, I like um, the Rays as the Soto fit. One, because I feel like they could give up. They could give up like six guys if the Nationals could start right now. Like you think of like Taylor Walls, Vidal Bruhan, Josh Lowe, like – Shane Boz is a guy that I think they would definitely love to have back. Like almost every single guy is like major league ready in some form that they have available. They could just offer like an entire team, like an entire triple A team basically. Um, and then I think with the Rays, it's like, yeah, you're not re-signing them, but do you need to re-sign them if you have them for like two playoff runs and then you just flip them again? You know what I mean? I think that's really, that really needs to be considered as a extreme possibility is like, you know, yeah, maybe you don't have him until he's 35, but you have him when he's 24, when you're a 95 win team trying to face the Yankees, yeah. you know? So I, I really like the fit. I don't think that offer is exciting enough, but it's fun. And I hope the Rays have really done their homework because I think they'd be a great fit. This is why you get so many prospects. This is why you build up your farm system, Correct. not to play all those guys, but to say, oh, look, if you're going to trade Juan Soto, we have all these assets that you want. Although uh, Taylor Walls made me laugh a bit, and this poor guy, <laughs> he's tw- he's 26, and he's hitting 170. Listen. <laughs> he's just awful. Hey. And it, it made me laugh that the Nationals would say, yeah, let's we got a if, place for you on this <laughs> rudderless 110 if loss Taylor team. Walls Come is on your down. sixth guy in a Juan Soto trade. Yes, I think that's absolutely. And he's he's their best shortstop. Like, is anyone else in the Nationals playing a better shortstop than Taylor Walls? Oh, exactly. No, you know yes. what I mean. That's what I, that's kind of my point. Is like even the worst guy that you're getting back from the Rays is a guy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like it's not. The well, most so I think I think uh, I think Vidal Bruhan would be the better shortstop at that point. <laughs> yeah, but like but yeah. you know, Walls Walls is known because he's like you know him, Bruhan, and Franco are in the same place at the same time, and Walls was the one playing yep. shortstop all the time. Right. You know, so like you mm-hmm. get a guy that you know can play shortstop. He has an exhibited history of hitting the ball in AAA at least. You know, if you just want to treat him like a prospect, still obviously no major league success so far. I understand, but. You know, you're talking Boz, Bruhan, you know, Bradley. A lot of these guys are really high-end dudes, and then you have the depth there. And like I said, in two years, if you don't win the World Series, or, you know, or if you do win the World Series and still want to trade Juan Soto, you know, you're going to get something really nice back when he's 25 and on a rental, you know? And mm-hmm. those guys are probably going to be as good as your Bruhans of the world. So, you know, it's 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 weird, but I really like it. 
Uh, next one we got uh, going here is uh, uh, Dodgers receive Juan Soto and Cesar Hernandez from the Nationals for Diego Cartaya, Gavin Lux, Bobby Miller, Andy Pajes, and Miguel Vargas. A lot of guys. A lot of guys. I mean, a lot of guys is kind of what you are expecting with something like this. Uh, <laughs> I, I love Cesar Hernandez in this. True. It's, it's truly the best thing in the world. But I think uh, I think uh, one of y'all mentioned before that like Diego Cartaya like just doesn't make sense here, uh, especially after they just traded for K. Bear Ruiz from the Dodgers a year ago in a different mega trade. I really wish you did the Jim Bowden version of this trade on The Athletic that was posted this week where (laughs) this exact trade happens, except the Dodgers get back K. Ruiz. And send over Diego Cartaya, which is the wildest, funniest thing. That is very Um, funny. It's just like my brain, like that is the most brain breaking thing I've ever read uh, on The Athletic, which is saying something. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think the Cartaya thing, when you're most, I think he is the best prospect. I mean, you might be able to make the case for Bobby Miller too, but, or Miguel Vargas, but I think just based on position and what he does, Cartaya is your main guy and. By the way, um, real quick, that uh, that Bowden version also doesn't have Vargas in it. It's yeah, it's Soto and Ruiz for Cartaya, Lux, Miller, and Pajes. It's just it's it's kind of a mess. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> what? And and again, like, do you want a young player? I just don't know. Like, is Gavin Lux like? I feel like he might just be a useful player rather than a like. He's doing really well this year, but like. Does he matter for the Nationals? You know what I mean. Is he is I, he is he going to be an All Star at any point? Like I don't know. I wonder if our, I wonder if our perception of Lux is skewed because of the high hopes that we had. Because if he, I think he might be an All Star. Yeah, is I think he, he might be an All Star. But like, yeah, I th- is he the part of the package that you're the most excited about? Because Pajes is one of the youngest guys in double a yeah. hitting exactly league average yeah but just like with almost a, exactly a crap ton of power basically mm-hmm. yeah and the great launch angle yeah and vargas is bored at triple a <laughs> i think it's fair to say yeah like just what is he doing there so it makes sense it's not super thrilling although with the potential for lux to be thrilling enough maybe. and and you get think, back a piece of yeah. major league talent that like you know like 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 yeah, current it's, major it's league. Obviously, something. Vargas is, is probably major league talent, and Cartier is probably major. League, but like Lux is current major league talent, having a really good year. Mm-hmm. Oh I yeah, think... Lux is your number three hitter, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. If you're the Nationals, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know if they have yeah. a two and three in this context, but um, I think and I, th- I think <laughs> if Lux could prove he could play shortstop, it would be a lot more clear to me because even if he's just kind of solid, you know, like it would be like okay, now you have like a good player at the position where you've been like dying since you traded t- Trey Turner. Right. And now you have mm-hmm. a good player to stick there for a few years, but you know, he's just had so many weird, you know, like arm things and like defense things where I'm just like, I don't know if that's feasible. And then you're getting a decent hitting second baseman, you know, at that point, it's just like, mm, I don't know. It's tough. So, I get the second baseman critique because it's just not as thrilling yeah, as exactly a more defensive important position. But 
if Lux is hitting as well as he is now, he's still younger than you'd think. Yeah, he's 24, yeah. He's yeah. one of the only players yeah. you're getting back that's like a quality major leaguer that is almost Juan Soto's age, so. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, no, I, I think it, I think it really works. Um, I, I did see people on, on Twitter poo-pooing this kind of trade because like, well, we need Lux. If, if Trey's going to go away, we need a shortstop. God, it's like, shut up. Is well, Juan Soto is like, like he's like, <laughs> like one of the best players in the league. Years. You can get a shortstop. What are you talking well, about? Like I, like I've seen people talk about. Oh, we got Chris Taylor, and you know, like where is he going to play since Mookie Betts has in right field? It's like, dude, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's true. Like play, you can play Juan Soto DH every single day, and you'd be like, cool, like yeah, worth yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you know, doesn't matter. Um. All right, then we have the, this is, is a Jim Bowden one from the Athletic article. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals trading Soto, receiving Soto for Nolan Gorman, Dylan Carlson, Mason Wynn, and Jordan Graceffo. Now, I, I will preface by saying uh, that the, obviously, the obvious problem with this is that the Cardinals aren't giving up uh, Jordan Walker, who is a, a top 10 prospect in baseball. What I will say is that Bowden did say immediately, Nationals have to start it with Jordan Walker as the headliner coming back. Cardinals can't give up Walker. And then at the end of it, it's like, you know, if the Cardinals put Walker in this, that puts them as a front runner. Maybe not so much with Gorman. Yeah. But, but Gorman is good. He's a good prospect. Carlson, I like, but has not, you know, he's been around for a couple of years now and has been like a, a two win type player. Yeah. Um, Mason Wynn is a dude who you can project everything onto. Like he got drafted as a two way player, hasn't pitched. Uh, in a game for the Cardinals in the minor leagues, but did throw like 105 miles an hour from shortstop or whatever that was in the uh, in the Futures game. Yeah. Uh, and then Gordon Graceffo, who's like probably, a you know, a, a middle rotation starter type guy. Yeah. The, in- the interesting thing about the Cardinals is they have three 20-year-olds in Springfield, although one of them recently turned 21, who are all hitting above league average. And it's Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, and Malcolm Nunez. And the last time Springfield had a 20-year-old who was hitting this well was Oscar Tavares. And who was out hitting these three guys this seasons. But, I mean, that's a lot of talent. And they're 20 is young for AA. I think the only other player who's in that sort of age range is Jordan Diaz of the A's, who's good but on no one's radar. And... You kind of have to give up Walker and win for sure. I don't know, maybe both. If you're in this trade, yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Walker and Win. Like, yeah. you, I think I think you don't give up both Walker and Gorman, but I think Walker and Win <laughs> is is a likely, more likely package than than Gorman and Win. I'd be I happy think, if it was Gorman and Win, <laughs> yeah. like because Walker is like, but like, and again, you can you can you can project so much onto a prospect. Gorman has hit is is hitting well enough at the major league level that I'm not like you know I'm not broken up if if Walker's the one who goes, especially because Walker is sort of blocked by Arnado, and then you know the question obviously exists with Arnado in the future, but like you know. I just don't like the approach of these trades like that, where it's like, what's the most the Cardinals could get without, like, you know, like hurting? And it's like, dude, if you're trading for Juan Soto, you gotta, you gotta take from somewhere that you care. You yeah, know, like you can't, you, yeah. you can't piece this together based on, oh, we can just throw Brandon Donovan and Nolan Gorman's <laughs> spot, and then we have Juan Soto. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying like obviously losing Dylan Carlson is something, losing Mason Wynn is something, right? Like, but like you have to 
when you have an elite elite prospect, which Jordan Walker appears to be in some form, at least as a hitter, like you need to include him in order to get these huge prizes. And yeah. I think I think the Cardinals should include both him and Gorman. Like I think I think that should be the offer because I think if that's the offer, then every other team is going to be like, we, you know, the right. Dodgers really would have to go over the top to beat that. And, you know, we, we talked about, I mean, the Cardinals really have not developed many guys, you know, Oscar Tavares is obviously a big, you know, blow, if, but, yeah. um, you know, the, the Cardinals have not developed a star hitter in God knows when, you know what I mean? Like it's been a long time and star right. level, really anything. Um, you know, you're giving yourself a chance to give be, be give yourself the next hour pools, except actually, you know, like again, like you know what I mean, like not like thirty year old pools, but like twenty three year old pools again, you know. So, right. you know, I just think I think you get the big offer and hope for the best. Um, I just don't think you can start playing that game of. You know, well, what can we do without Walker? Because I think if you have that guy, you just need to include him because it's either him or you're not getting the guy. I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. No, I, th- I think I think if the Cardinals trade for Soto, then Walker's the guy going. As much as it like would hurt to lose a guy like Walker from your from your system, like that that's that's the way it goes right like and and the question is what you know walker as the number six prospect could be great right he could be great juan soto is already great and is 23 years old he's 23 years old like he's only three years older than jordan walker (laughs) like and and yeah well we're talking about how young these guys are in double a and 20 is young but soto is just right there with him. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah Soto, Soto, like, the, I think the average age of a double-A player is 23. Yeah, <laughs> like, essentially. I think the last you know. part of the Cardinals equation, too, is, you know, they've lacked the star. They, they've acquired star-level players through trades, right? And they've had a really, right. they've been really good about that. You know, this team exists currently as constructed because they made big moves for Arenado and Goldschmidt. Um, but what they, what they've lacked in star development, they just you know, like they can develop a league average player like no other team in the planet. You know what I mean? If yeah. they just need to turn mm-hmm. someone into an MLB guy, they can do it. Yeah. Right. And so when you talk about a system that's deep, yes, losing Jordan Walker hurts, but if you can guarantee a superstar for him and then you still are and you keep a couple of these guys on the back end that maybe turn into a a Tommy Edmond or a Brendan Donovan or whatever, right? That's a winning team. Yeah, you know, no, like, I, I will, absolutely. So I think I that's say, the key part. It's interesting that because I've never heard of Nick Dunn. He's twenty five years old. <laughs> he's in the. He's on Springfield. Have you guys no, heard I have of not. this guy? You know, I feel like I should he have, has, but no. <laughs> he's walking at a fourteen percent rate and striking out at a nine percent rate. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean that 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 in is yeah a. that is like a that's like a Matt Carpenter like minor league type guy who's like, hey, does anybody know this guy? No. Well, he's going to show up yeah. at age 27 and like have three yep. years where he's like just good enough and then disappear. And it's almost always exactly. someone that's like a little older than they should be, you know, because yeah. they've just mm-hmm. been sitting in the minors for a little while with a 140 WRC plus. So I'm sure that the Cardinals can spare. And I keep going back to Diaz here because I'm an Ace fan and I'm a homer, but <laughs> he's one year older than Walker. 
He's hitting 307. Walker's hitting 304. Uh, they're both. I mean, I think the thing is Walker's walking at an 11% rate and Diaz is at a 6% rate, mm-hmm. but otherwise it's similar players and Diaz has never been on a top 100 list. He's ranked probably down in the A system a lot farther than you'd think, but similar numbers and the Cardinals can just put someone who no one has any value on out there if they need a end of the roster guy. Yeah. Um. All right. We have one final trade uh and yes. this yes. one is one. truly the best thing in the world uh so it is the nationals receive cj abrams uh i don't even remember abrams Camposano, gore hassel hosmer and wood the angels receive cronenworth <laughs> grisham merrill peterson and rosario and the padres get patrick corbin they get chriswell they get iglesias they get otani and they get soto uh, you guys can just you guys can just just stew on that. Dylan, thanks so much for joining. Uh, Frack, thanks so much for joining. Send We're it. not going to talk about this trade. I just wanted to make it's sure over. that everybody knows it exists. <laughs> there's there's nothing to be said after that. You know, it's truly nothing. The numbers to be said. line up. Just send it to the commissioner. Just send it. Just directly send it in. Send it right in. Uh, yeah, Dylan, thanks so much for being here. Uh, Frack, thanks so much for joining for your first time on the show. Really appreciate it. I loved it. Thanks again for having me on. Absolutely. And uh, with that, we're going to take you out to the outro. Just think about Think about it. Corbin, Chris, Iglesias, Otani. It's so good. Oh, man. It's fantastic. What a trade. to do it for this week's episode of our baseball weekly thank you so much for listening our baseball weekly is executive produced by lewis and our production administrator is christine my name is naim and i edited this week's episode and i also hosted the intro as well as the bad silly trade proposal segment dylan joined me for the intro and for that segment and that segment also featured frack aka federal league baseball Lewis hosted our interview with Ben, a.k.a. Gib Tafsa, and thanks so much to Frack and Ben for appearing on this episode. Our theme music was composed by Chuck Lease. Make sure to check out next week's episode. We're going to talk to Scrax, our baseball power user, and Rockies mod about the Rockies and what the heck they are doing. Our Baseball Weekly releases every Monday morning at 1 a.m. Eastern time or thereabouts before the rooster crows. We'll see you next week. Mm. <coughs> oh. oh, I got so choked up. Just thinking <laughs> about it. <laughs> oh, water down the wrong pipe. Um, hmm. If I had any chance of making a move, <coughs> woo! Wow, kind of hurts. <coughs> Sorry about that. Oh, we can probably um, edit it out. If yeah, not, so. if not, so. if Nime got lazy tonight because he's up late uh, recording. Congrats, listeners. You got to hear all that. Um, if yeah, not, uh, Nime will drinking, just edit it out. <laughs> I was drinking water and someone went down the wrong pipe and that's what happens sometimes.